That's all staying in, by the way. Uh, I hope so. You know, we're in, behind the curtain feature it. Hello, and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the moves from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is Chloe Williams. Back from the dead. Um, this has to be our first zombies. No, Train to Busan. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 First action zombie movie, first, I guess, yeah. if you want to. Oh, I, I don't know. You, you, Dong Lee, you know, throws some pretty heavy haymakers in Train, Train to Busan. So I, I guess I guess that would maybe be action mm. as well. Gong Yo, yeah. right? Not Gong Lee. No, I thought it was Don Lee. I think that's like, isn't that what his, oh, his uh, character name? No, no, no. Isn't that his, um, like on posters now, you'll see him advertise as Dong Lee. I'm pretty sure it's Gong Yo. Well, I think that's like his actual, like, but oh, I think okay. he's I, like I, Americanized it or something. Okay. Oh. So like now for like English, like I'm pretty, like I saw a poster that literally said Dong Lee not so long ago. It doesn't matter. He's great. He has heavy yeah. hands. Um, he will punch uh, big presents. Yeah, I feel like I don't know if I've talked about this. I feel like I must have said this on the record, uh, podcast at some point, but there was a recent video of him at like an arcade and him went for one of the punching machines and he like broke it because he punched it so hard. I want to uh, just well, man. Okay, I kind of like. I've never been. I've never really been. Maybe you've in my gotten life. too big. Yeah, I don't think I, I've never been punched in my life. Not really. I want to get punched by him once just to mm-hmm. know what it feels like, just so I can say I've been punched by him and then I don't yeah. have to get punched ever again. But like once by in him, I think would be a cool credit. Absolutely. Can't be anywhere else. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mila Jovovich could also punch me. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mm-hmm. mad yeah. at that. I mean, <laughs> Mila could push me down a flight of stairs and, um, you know, she could take a chain and hit me in the head with it so hard it breaks my neck i think that's also okay um you hit quite a few people for real in this Mm -hmm. oh really yeah it's at least retribution because of the 3d filming um basically with 3d you have to nick people when you hit otherwise it like the gap will be noticed um so especially in the hallway scene she like hits them several times um because like you have to be so much closer than in a real fake punch like you're you're technically supposed to nick um right she actually just wails on them a few times from my understanding um like well i know like (laughs) i know like the raid guys like they in the raid movies and a lot of those other indonesian action movies uh, with you know it's the same crew they love they definitely want to actually make contact with every punch they just found a way to make it basically look like not as painful, but make like full contact. It's like one of the yeah, because they're lunatics. I know. I don't. Lunatics. I don't get it. That's a thing in um, my time too, which obviously right. These movies have a lot of my time and stuff as well. Yeah, I saw that this was like this one. Uh, PWS was like we definitely like yeah they watched like a lot of Thai movies before making it and like wanted a real Eastern influence, especially compared to the other ones, which is it, I love. I mean, we'll get more into this, but I love him just pulling that randomly. Like, ah, uh, what is this? The fifth one? Let's just do this. Why not? <laughs> Who fucking cares? Uh, mm-hmm. In the sixth one, post-apocalyptic. I don't know. Gritty. Let's fucking do it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just this complete, you know, laze of just like, ah, we'll do it this time. Who cares? Yeah, because like it seems that Paul W.S. will always have like 
freedom and sort of like backing to just take these leaps because they'll just always make their money back in some form like it's a very international franchise which is super interesting yeah um yeah today we have a double bill with us um the much maligned resident evil retribution and final chapter um with us to cover them is josh polanski i am glad excited to be here paul ws anderson's one of my all-time favorite directors um and i think it's a damn shame mm. that his movies are some of the most maligned movies in like mm-hmm. North american blockbuster cinema or not just north american but and just blockbuster cinema in general just cinema honestly just cinema. <laughs> i Maybe mean he doesn't like have it. a single movie that's positive on rotten tomatoes yeah um, yeah, it's, yeah just, that's right i saw that too yeah i suspect it'll change eventually one day with um event horizon i think will eventually cross that, mm. that mark as more people um revisit that especially with the 25th anniversary i think that was last year um the 4k box that just came out um but yeah i I can understand i can understand why people not liking a lot of his movies but for me it's like i haven't seen all of them but like i don't know alien versus predator i watched that and i'm like what the fuck did you want i don't you know it's one of those things where i'm like i'm watching it and it's just like competently made check i can see everything check uh the acting is atrocious check uh the writing is fine check imaginative check it's like pre- mm. the effects are pretty decent check it's like i don't i don't see that like i don't understand. at some point like, you are the problem like right it's it's not the movie's fault anymore um, I, I think that one's particularly challenging because those are two such beloved franchises and then when you put them together, it's bound to be a disappointment for many people on both sides of that. Yeah, I guess. But, yeah, but yeah. Well, it's not like Predator 2 oh, is like some one. hot shit or whatever. No, I mean, I, I like I, I really liked it, too. And I actually, you know, my maybe one of my worst opinions that I've just gained recently since I saw it was that I don't mind the second one either. The second Alien versus Predator. I haven't seen it. It's. Now, talk about one of the most maligned movies ever made. I mean, that's that thing is fucking critical toxicity. It's like fucking like the radiation you get from Chernobyl. Like that movie, fucking everyone hates that shit. Yeah. I watched it and I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of good. I, I mean, okay, it's not like good, but it's like fun. I, it's like you can't now people saying you can't see anything. Yes, but it's like this, but. And some of that probably is not on purpose, but a lot of that is like an artistic decision. Mm-hmm. Um, like the you can see the glistening of slime and like a, a silhouette. Like people are like, oh, I can't see anything. I'm like, eh, that was the point there. But it's also really mean. It's one of the more meaner films I've seen like of that. Um, uh, of that budget. Um, it's like, re- like it fucking hates people. And that's pretty cool so that's yeah. that's that would be that would be my like review but yeah it is as someone who was not sold or like who was told all this propaganda get, getting into film about pws and then actually watching his movies it's just kind of like wow they really fucking sold me a bale of goods here that was not like <laughs> that that was not the case um it's like everyone acting like these movies fucking killed their parents and then um chopped off their foot and it's like no these are actually pretty decent yeah um no i have I mean, like actual imagination to them 
it's funny i was also gonna bring up the alien franchise later on um because watching these movies this past week reminds me of watching the alien movies i hadn't seen from when we covered prometheus and alien covenant because of its reputation mostly because it's like a lot of these are very good and it's like i did not i did not hear that a lot when they were coming out and you know of course the part of that is like who's reviewing them and their reputation with paul ws and and what they're looking for in action it's like it's like at this point in, tw- in the year of our lord 2023 we can only expect so much and it's like there's actual craft here and um yeah and, and, and the same can be said for um the alien franchise and clay have you seen resurrection um because that's one where it's like that actually has like an identity to it and like it like the the darkness to it is actually like a like an artistic choice i might just watch all of them yeah so i haven't seen three or four um i've seen prometheus but it's been a long time i've seen covenant it's been a long time and i've obviously seen the first two but i haven't seen um the fincher and that frenchman i forget what's his name uh pierre i think yeah sure yeah, but you could have made that up. That could have been just you. Could I probably have butchered. I probably way off, but it's like Jean Luc Pierre yeah. or some shit. It's like yeah, that guy. You know, yeah. yeah but Josh, help us. You directed know. um City of Lost Children and Amelie and uh shoot, I yeah, I can't recall. But no, I, you do know who you're talking about. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because apparently, yeah. Oh my gosh, you, you should uh, Alien Theories especially very good. And um, it's it's it, I mean. Alien the director's cut is the best one, right? That's for three. Yeah, that's like... yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, like with Resurrection, it's like you can kind of feel it's discombobulated a little bit because it's like, you know, he only spoke French and like, <laughs> like Sigourney couldn't take direction clearly and and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, it has some things going for it. It's like which one is when she shoots it's not the basketball? Terrible. Resurrection. Yeah. You guys know that story about how she practiced that for like months and months and months, and then on the first take, she made it. Mm-hmm. She it was yeah. a behind her head, one handed like free throw or whatever. She's a natural shooter. Yeah, yeah. And then you see, and I think Ron Perlman might have posted this video of on his Instagram when he just goes fucking nuts when he see, like sees it. It's it's an awesome moment. Um, yeah. I want to play some horse with Sigourney Weaver. Someone make that happen. <laughs> Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, I will beat you in horse, no questions asked. Should we I'll start just a go sit in the me? pocket with my corner threes and you know some above the above the break threes, and we can see who wins. Maybe you do. Yeah. She still has some of the skills locked away from from her days. Uh, shooting, like, wouldn't you be nervous playing like I mean, I would, but the thing is, the only way she'll respect me if I show, if I just show some, you know, assertive, like, show like I some confidence, like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this. You know, I don't want to be like, oh, hi, Sigourney. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Oh, you want to play some basketball with me? Like, no, I got to be like, all right, behind the head or like basically like, you know, a between the legs, pull up three point, boom. See what you can do. Yeah. That. But like, you can't act like a fan right like you can't be no, like, oh my no, gosh like act, working girl always act like you've been there like right I you gotta so act much. like you like, have to like yeah like i love doing the defenders no yeah, yeah, <laughs> the defenders um 
yeah, before we dive into the Resident Evil films, let's get into what we've been watching lately. Finbear would like to start. Floor is yours. I can go. Um, surprisingly enough, I've been watching a lot of action movies recently. Um, uh, it's been snowing here in good old uh, Portland, Oregon. It had one of the worst snowstorms in record history, even though it wasn't that bad. We just don't have no infrastructure to deal with it. So everyone lost their fucking mind. Um, it was still it was fine. Um, I watched a ton of shit. Um, saw the Woman King, dug it. Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, something that's not talked about enough. I love that movie. That might be the, like, I don't know if anyone likes that movie as much as I do. That came out, um, that came out last year on a uh, Lily Umpour. Um, mm-hmm. Fan flipping fantastic. Uh, love mm-hmm. it. Uh, Northman, watched it finally. We've covered um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Go listen to that. Um, I like Mona Lisa even more. That might be a hot take. Um, so like the Northman. Take. Thought it was thought it was decent. Um, yeah, what's kind of as it, when it ended, I was like, okay, yeah, that was a good movie. And then kind of that's it. Didn't By the way, your finger's really on the pulse in April 2022. Um, getting right in there, like when it's yeah. hot off the presses. Then, then I'm like, fuck it, let's watch more movies. And mm-hmm. Universal Soldier, the John mm-hmm. Hyam resur- uh, regeneration. So I've only seen the first one. I heard you should skip all the other ones till the Hyam one, which is the 2009 um, direct-to-video, I think it was. Or it might have been, you know, like a maybe like a little theatrical release. Um, Universal Soldier Regeneration. Um, we got, what's it? Uh, Van Damme and uh, Lundgren are back. Great movie. Like, impeccable action. Just... That last 30 minutes is just pretty spectacular. Um, just fight piece or like, you know, set piece after set piece, fight scene after fight scene. It's just really, it's just great. Then I watched Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, which is something we might cover on this podcast at some point. People love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sequel to that. It's ex- one of the most like experimental direct-to-video action movies I've seen. Scott Adkins is in it. Um, maybe his best work has, again, ends with a killer set piece um just really solid uh carter last year came out netflix same guy who directed what was it the villainous that's right a movie that i don't particularly love um carter is fucking bananas it's all ambition um it's shot uh very weirdly it's a lot of you know it's like one a lot of you know pseudo one takes and some pov stuff and you know, he goes for it. I I enjoyed watching it. Um, it's not I I, I just re- I respect more of what it's trying to do than what it actually does. Um, so yeah, that's really what I right. It's I know a lot of people really hate like were like couldn't do it. Like they were kind of like they at some point they just they they got visually exhausted or they were just exhausted by the whole experiment. Um, which I understand. Uh, it has, yeah, it makes no sense and it has too many plot lines, but it's also kind of, a, it kind of goes with the Resident Evil vibe of, you know, action zombie, um, con- convoluted plot lines kind of thing. Um, it's decent. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's what I've watched. Yeah. Uh, personally, I had, are, 
this might have been my best month for film watching since I've been on Letterboxd, which is probably, I think, three or four years now. Um, it's just five stars and above, I'm, which I'm pretty conservative of mine. I think I had like five or four and a half stars and above. I think I probably had nine. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Z, um, the mm. yeah. thriller from the, from the at 69, I want to say, um, Costa Grava's. Um, Amazing. Modern Times, Charlie Chaplin, um, Secretary. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, did not expect to enjoy that as much as I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because that that one kind of is like a synopsis that it's like, this can't be that good, but then it's actually like, has some weight to it. Then you see James Spader yeah. and you're like, ah, okay, <laughs> there you go. Precisely. Uh, the Rules of the Game, actually, that was my first time uh, actually watching Rules of the Game. Um, yeah. I mean, there's what hasn't been said about that, but also pretty much everything that's been said about the movie is right. Like, it's one of the best. Um, and then I watched some King Who movies. I don't know if you've ever seen King Who. Um, mm. I watched Raining in the Mountain and A Touch of Zen, uh, which were Raining in the Mountain might be my favorite heist movie of all time. And it's like a Buddhist monk take on a heist story. And that, like, what they're trying to steal ultimately doesn't matter. And, like, the monastery knows that they're trying to steal it the whole time and they kind of just like don't give a shit um and I, it's it's beautiful um have you seen of, dragon in yes yes yeah uh, that movie i've seen cool. most king who now i think i'm the other mountain one whatever the other there's another one with mountain in it i think that's the only one i haven't seen of like the big ones um, mm -hmm. but it's called raining in the mountain which is confusing because there was no rain um <laughs> yeah. do you think that was just maybe a translation issue no idea that's um, really funny uh police story three was another i fucking love police story three um as i've been told that the police stories get worse as you go but i've had the opposite experience i'm only the, on wow. the, the first one was good not great second one i enjoyed and then the third one was has been by far my favorite so far interesting uh, and that's i haven't seen like, the second or third one but i i love the first one I think you could yeah. probably skip the second if you wanted, but the third one's Michelle Yeoh's like return to cinema. I don't know how mm -hmm. much you know about her. She had like a marriage that didn't end so well. And so she retired for several years and then got divorced and came out with this movie. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was a huge deal at the time. Um, City of Lights, Comrades, Almost a Love Story, The Last Two Resident Evils. Like this was a great month for me. Um, That's then, awesome. Most recently, I've been covering the Boston Baltic Film Festival, which I think is, it starts on the 3rd. Um, I just have some screeners to try to get more coverage in. Uh, so far, the only thing I'd recommend from that is this, uh, what's it, Latvian movie called Uperga. I'm probably butchering it. It's a horror movie um, about an Instagram influencer who is trying to get photos of vegan hot dogs um out in like campgrounds or something and it takes like a Blair Witch turn um I don't know it's it's very interesting and sort of artsy in, in some interesting ways um hmm. but, wow yeah, so I've been watching this one <clears throat> that does sound interesting and those ones are available online right now the online tickets yeah yeah you can buy them online at least if you're in the U.S. I believe yeah. um I think it's, there's some geo restrictions. I don't know how tight they are. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that that does sound. Um, I will stick up for Magic Mike's Last Dance if this is a safe space to do so. It feels like it. it's going to be bound for rediscovering very soon. It's just like one of those things that takes the story in a direction that's like we weren't sure it was going to go from when we left off in double XL. Um, but this one's, you know, not saying what it's about, but it's a lot more classically made. It's like slower. It's more sincere, just like, and it's giving, it's, it's asking a lot for training's performance and he's very good in it, but it, it kind of, I mean, so I heard Soderbergh talk about it and it kind of rings true that it's like an old fashioned musical like it takes like a classic sort of like like story and just like it applies it to like a contemporary setting um and i don't know like i can't really figure out how else to say like what an old-fashioned story would would actually mean but it's like once once you see it and then once you actually hear him talk about like oh it's like inspired by like like uh the musical the musicals of the 50s it's like this makes a ton of sense now that it's like it kind of has this like slower pace um yeah it's it's really good i think i think it's really good um but it's 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 very different from from the other two it's very different yeah it's it's like none of the boys are yeah i don't know if that's yeah i know it's only one boy it's just just, oh it's just i didn't i haven't even seen i've avoided it but yeah um, it's, it's just it's him just and Hayek, Hayek right? That's was, like, yeah, pretty, the movie. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Sorry, what was that? How would you rank them? Um, oh, man. Yeah, I, I mean, Double XL is pretty undeniable um, as, as my favorite. Because it's... Yeah, that one's, that one's interesting. I, they're all, I like them all. Um, I'll have to, like, sit with Last Dance a little bit more to see if I like it with Magic Mike, but it's like, re- I've seen those both twice now, and it's like, I just, I think I just want to see Last Dance again, to see if it it's rings about the first one. I'm not the biggest fan of the first one. I mean, I think like the class commentary and stuff works, but I just, that lead is just not really good. Um, and not the the co-lead, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Whoever, the guy that Tatum takes under his wing, I yeah. forget his name lucas something i don't know it's some pale you know wannabe movie star well because it's um, it's interesting with that with that lee because it's like then it's like the movie um does away with alex pettifer and his relationship with cody horn is sort of like left in the first one isn't made a mention of and it's like oh wait double xl kind of figures it out um and I think it's interesting because it's like, it's interesting they bring that up because it's like Last Dance does something with the boys where it's like, they almost kind of don't make a mention of them until like a point in the movie. And it's like, it's like, they kind of like sharpens the story to be just Mike. <laughs> and it's like, he's not like apprenticing anyone else. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. think the movie's interesting. It's, uh, it's very reason- much about process and you know Soderbergh is like you know of course a master of showing people working on their craft and this is just another example of it one of my favorite quotes of the year um 
for those that have seen the movie, it's um, get me a ballerina and a plumber. It's it's a great quote in context. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's a great quote out of context. That sounds yeah. like have various uh, <laughs> potential uh, potentiality to become a, a, a rip roaring time at the movies. Yeah. Um, I am interested in seeing that. I'm going to see it with my mom at some point because that was my promised birthday gift to her. But she's been in mm-hmm. Hawaii and I've been doing a lot of schoolwork. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's great. I gotta I gotta I gotta see that and knock at the cabin and then mm. when Creed three comes out, finally watch that. I got I need to actually go to the theater. But I've been yeah. snowed in. Um, and Scream coming soon too. That's yeah. I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just think- I'm <laughs> I haven't seen much. I haven't seen um, uh, I haven't seen all the other ones besides the first in- the first the, two. The new it. one, bad, bad. Yeah, I haven't seen the new one. Yeah. Um, Josh agrees. That's good. Um, but yeah. Uh, before we get Josh into is the- actually Ghostface. Let's, let's, let's yeah, be honest. No, Josh, I know. Josh has a has a Ghostface mask on, and it's it's a bizarre to to introduce yourself that way. Um, let's talk about how you got into movies. If you can think of any films that got you into film at a very young age, we'd love to hear just like your backstory. I guess there's a few kind of turning points that wasn't like, you know, like the movie version of evangelicalism where there's like one like forever turning point. It wasn't like that for me. Um, I will say that there are a, I was the perfect age when the first Iron Man came out. I think I was, um, what, that was 2008. So I was like 11, 12. Um, which was like the perfect age for that movie. So a lot of the early MCU movies um, really left a strong Mm -hmm. imprint on me. Um, Yeah. We were eight and nine, I think. So like similar. Yeah. 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 Um, And then in particular, the first Guardians was like one of the the big turning points for me as in like, there's no going back, I guess. Like um, it was one of the first movies that I could see the sort of behind, not behind the scenes, but like the, the things that make a movie tick, I was able to like see them for the first time, um, which I think is why most people are drawn to people like Tarantino and Edgar Wright. Um, it was just for, for me, which I was never really into Tarantino um, early on, at least. Um, I've softened up on him recently. Um, Edgar Wright, I love too, especially the the Cornetta trilogy. Um, I, I'm not done. I saw you guys just had the scott pilgrim one i'm only like half an hour into that but it's nice and brief don't worry yeah and then uh, i guess maybe there is another sort of turning point now uh, with guardians and everything i i had loved movies for a bit um but the i guess like a sort of vocational turning point for me um realizing like i want to pursue writing about movies more in depth and um for a long time no matter if i can do it professionally or not um, uh, a t- the turning point in that sense was Jia Zhangke's um, A Touch of Sin, uh, which I think uh, 2013, it's a Chinese movie that somehow got past censors and it's um, it's like four part uh, segments that are completely unrelated um, about terrible working conditions um, of I guess um post-industrial China and it's a masterpiece. It's one of the best films I think to come out of uh, recent Chinese cinema. And uh, that was the movie that seeing it and then 
writing about it um, in undergrad was really like the big turning point. I was like, this is, I, I want to keep doing this for as long as I can. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's, that's my movie story. Hmm. Were, your yeah. parents, were your parents big into movies or was it just something you just kind of got into by yourself? Uh, yes and no. Um, I mean, which I guess we'll get into this a little bit later. Um, we always loved going to movies, but you know, with three, four kids, um, it's expensive to go to the movie theater. <laughs> um, so it didn't happen super often, at least, you know, like Regal had their $5 night back then, which um, was amazing. That it was a thing. And we had a, a second run theater near us too. That was, um, it was a dollar for a double feature, um, which was one, it was in Akron Canton, Ohio. This was one of the best theater experiences ever. You'd go there and you could spend a dollar to watch two movies. Um, so that was a big one. Um, I guess where I was going to say that we'd get in this later. Um, I saw Resident Evil Afterlife in 3D as like part of the post Avatar thing. Um, the you're 3D you're away from Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we saw that all as a family, and I, I distinctly remember that. Um, saw a lot of like Marvel stuff together. Um, but yeah, no. Um, it was it was more of an individual thing, I would say. Um, you know, and my my siblings have god awful taste in film. Like, I think my brother's favorite movie of all times, like Master of Disguise. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, 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 because it's it's interesting because it's like you know you gotta like. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm in the same area that it's like you have to force yourself to know what's good and what you think is good. Because like you can be you can read up on on what's what's good and what what is considered great. But then if you actually think so, then it's like that kind of like informs your ever developing fate, ever developing taste, because like you have no one to like shepherd you into like an area of like a country's cinema or like like because like I, i'd imagine like an, an example would be like you um found touch of zen on your own something like that a, a touch of zen um a touch of zen's the king who film uh yeah yeah i guess i didn't really have like a curator or anybody like that in my life until college um which was I don't know. And in some ways I'm, I'm happy. It happened so late um, because I, I had like, I was more mature and was able to go into film with like a, um, I wouldn't say like a more of a blank slate in some ways, but like, I do think there was something to that. Um, like, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Paul Schrader, um, but actually. Yeah. I with was, Schrader. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the same Big undergrad. Friend. Actually worked at this. I had the same position he held at this, the school newspaper. Um, the, the same school paper and his story was pretty famous around uh calvin was the school because he didn't watch a movie until he got to calvin college because he came from a very strict uh calvinist background um so his, he went in with a total blank slate and that's why he fell in love with movies so dramatically i think mm -hmm. um to just be introduced i mean it's there's there's something different i think to being able to be more mature when you see some of those classics for the first time. Um, yeah, definitely. 
when did you start becoming more aware of like crit like critics and like like critical discussions of film and stuff i think as an undergrad um, undergrad yeah and i guess to kind of transition into the resident evil films because i do think unfortunately the critical reception of them are very important in the sense of how they're contextualized in um how we see in, in action cinema um so when you know you watch the resident evil films so i i guess yeah first okay but first go into your experience with resident evil pws and when mm-hmm. you first saw the um final chapter and um uh I've, we've said so many subtitles today that now i'm worried i'm gonna say the wrong one i know, I know. retribution right. retribution thank god all right mm-hmm. don't i'm gonna end up saying apocalypse. i'm gonna say apocalypse and extinction at some point and it's gonna be a whole no no we cannot talk about those <laughs> <Please. laughs> those are wait apocalypse. we're not covering those wait what no no apocalypse um yeah <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. was that was the only one that I was like, I feel like I'm wasting time. Like I, I could be watching so many other better movies. Like, what am I doing? But all the rest I like. Um, so I, I guess to get I'll I'll go with PS PWSA more broadly first. Um I had seen a few of his movies here and there, just like um actually some in high school, some in college. Um and I liked them all um but it, he wasn't like a director i was following i guess um so i think the first one i remember seeing was his death race um mm-hmm. that was one of the movies i remember seeing pr- pretty early on in my film mm-hmm. you know um probably you know early high school and i think I, this is also 2008 2009 yeah i think it's 2008 um and that was one i was like oh this is really interesting i hadn't seen the the other death races or anything but just like not to be honest i don't even know if i was aware of them at the time um but just the way the action was the i the concept and how it was somehow made into a prison movie um was very interesting and like the whole um like moral reward at the end of this all um and like just the it it was a very cool film to watch at like a high school age because how mean it was too um like i don't know if have you have either of you seen it no no but i'm very aware of it yeah it's 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 a cruel film um i don't know if you've if you've ever heard of uh ebert's original review of like the death race 2000 or whatever it was like one paragraph long and he was talking about how like these kids were in the theater and how it was like a sickening like moral thing and um and it's just because of how gross the movie was it sounds like prime grumpy roger (laughs) and that it's exactly what it was and this (laughs) was kind of like that but just in a prison with like worse actors which is great um (laughs) uh and that's also a weird one because it's i think it's his most different film other than shopping which i i don't expect either of you seen um then I, I watched, weirdly, the first Resident Evil I watched was Afterlife um, as part of the 3D craze because we saw, my family saw Avatar in 3D and then um, we were, you know, like, we have to catch everything that's good in 3D and people are saying this one's good, so let's go see it. Um, and to its credit, I think that one was good. Um, it was the second film ever, like, shot completely in 3D. Um, it was in production at the same time as Avatar. Um, so it wasn't really like the post avatar craze it just avatar had the first release date mm-hmm. um which is interesting because it, it wasn't like one of the ones that was 
uh, done in post, uh, converted to 3D in post, um, which I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think app, I think final chapter might have been converted in post. I'm not positive on that. Um, but that's the only one I saw in the 3D, and then didn't watch anything for years. Um, other than I think those are the two main ones. Um, and then just a few years ago, probably three years ago, I it was when I really got into Paul. Um, and that started with Pompeii. Um, I watched Pompeii, and my it was actually on my birthday. Um, and immediately after Pompeii, I just knew I had to watch everything this guy did. Um, just the way he deconstructed the 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 city, how he made destruction beautiful, and that's one of the things I I really appreciate about his movies is you could a uh, I mean, not in Pompeii, you don't root for the destruction, but in a lot of his movies, you're able to root for the destruction in like a way that's morally rewarding. Um, like if you think about Retribution, it's one of the only movies I can think of where like the complete devastation of cities is like not something that you're like, oh God, like what, it, like, like it's all because it's right. all fake, you're able to just like sit with it and appreciate it in a way that you mm -hmm. can't like most city destruction movies are like oh wow that's like a genocide happening in real time um that you don't think about in in, in those movies which i, I think is interesting as well and then yeah so i just got into them really with after pompeii watched i think everything he's ever done other than sight um which is like a straight to tv horror film um i believe uh i just haven't been able to find it um <laughs> If anybody knows where to find it, I will gladly watch it. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, I think I, the only one of his films I'm like not a fan of really is probably Mortal Kombat. Um, I think it's his, probably his hackiest film if to not, I mean, to not be too insulting. Um, it's just, and, and I played the game a little bit. I mean, it was more, the people older than us, I think we're more into it, but um, it was, it it really felt too much like a video game in that it's just mm -hmm. one fight to another fight to another fight to another fight. Um, and I didn't care for any of the characters. Um, and I also think his action cinemaking, his action filmmaking wasn't quite what it would become later. Um, I, I think he became a much better director as uh, he went on, especially post- like Death Race, I think Death Race is kind of his final film that it took to hone all of that. Um, so yeah, uh, and then I love all the Resident Evil movies that he directed. Right, right. <laughs> There's Did certainly a difference in craft. There's you can absolutely. It's clearly visible. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the final chapter in theaters? I did not. No. Um, did were, were you able to? No, no, I was just curious because you said, uh, I guess you said three years ago, and I forgot that it is not 2020. Um, yeah. And uh, for, I forgot how years worked. Um, <laughs> no, but it's, no, it's interesting, though, because it is like. Those movies were so successful at the theaters, and it's kind of crazy to think about it now, because usually unless you are a super like. The last one made what 300 mil worldwide on a 40 mil budget. Like, for a film to be that critically um, 
despised and to be that successful it's just something you don't see in modern hollywood that much anymore unless it's something so big it cannot fail especially for um, this movie in the franchise like exactly. to have to be that committed to it that far like i'm not going to see a movie that's resident evil the final chapter if i haven't seen like the first chapter whatever the hell that you know like um not that you actually need to see that but like as an audience member you just you wouldn't think of it um yeah yeah, like, yeah, 300 mil on a 40 mil budget. Like, that's kind of, and it has legs too. Like, I know that was a big story too. Like, it, it would, like, I think it came out in February, if I'm, or like the, or yeah, January. It was, yeah. It, it had a troubled production. Yeah. As we all know. yeah. We'll get into it. And it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't have to have like an amazing opening weekend to have longevity, but it's just like, it was also like, so successful yeah. worldwide. It just has yeah. so clean of global markets. Mm-hmm. Um, because its cast is in crew are so like international as well. Like Mila is Russian, like Paul is British, right? So it's like they can sort of he's operate Ukraine. in the same Ukraine. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think that's another I think that's one of the things that really makes Paul's Paul Anderson stand Paul W. S. Anderson stand out. Um, <laughs> is the way he's able to make a movie look so much more expensive than what it is. Like I, I actually in my notes I'm looking here right now. I put down the the entire budget for all six films was 285 million, and that includes two films that were shot in 3D. No film went over 65 million, which includes the marketing campaigns. There are I think multiple MCU films, single films that go over the budget of this entire franchise. It's and impressive. Yeah. I think there are more memorable in, images in retribution or especially and also the first resident evil than there are in the entire mcu like just yeah. images that just stick with you on a budget that's like 40 to 25 to like 45 million um and that's just crazy like these do not look like 45 million dollars like i wouldn't be fucking surprised if that dora movie that came out a few years ago cost 45 million and right mm-hmm. like but this is what can be done on 45 to 65 million. It shows it shows how crazy it is that these movies continue to look like what they look like now. Um it show because I was watching the final chapter on fucking what like stars or whatever. I got a free trial and cancel that shit with the quickness. Woo! Um yes. Um, but then I watch so I watched the final chapter and it's it started, and I'm just like, holy shit, this looks great. Um and it's very much in and yeah and what's your history with the franchise also oh yeah me oh, um, actually, wait, before clay gets into his i forgot to mention i watched retribution on january 6th what the fuck before it happened you can check my letterbox receipts i, I mean i believe you it'd be yeah. crazy if you lied that was my no wait can you say you lied like this would be a great story if you're like i'm <laughs> no, going to come on the pod truth. and like fabricate this wait that's wild yeah january oh my 6th is my first time watching it which i mean <laughs> the movie fucking ends with a burning capitol building yeah, um and that was like one of the most um surreal sur- sounds har- really yeah. surreal experiences um yeah, it sounds harrowing yeah how, oh my gosh. how long before it started popping up on the news after it, it was finished after your movie um, finished i watched it actually in the morning 
Um, yeah, must then have. log yeah, it yeah. on Letterbox till like the afternoon, so you'll see. Like I mentioned it in it, um, but it was like before we knew that they were like trying to hang Mike Pence. Right, like, it was still early enough at, at at that time of the day. So, um, like, but were they already like storming? Like, were they already like trying Capitol to break Street. in? Uh, well, no, I, I don't think so. And if it was, I wasn't aware of it because right. my I didn't I wasn't on my phone when I started it or anything. Um, but like by the time I finished it and got on the news, yes. Um, I'm just like, trying to imagine how long it took from you seeing that (laughs) shot of the white house burning down to you seeing like mass like we 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 need like a time uh time right right i think probably less than two hours that's great that's so nuts yeah i I must have told that like i had no idea what was going on that day i was just walking moxie and um my sister texts me at Iggy Azalea's Instagram story. That's such meth behavior. And it was out of context. I had no clue. <laughs> I was walking my dog and, and like, you know, I was like listening to something and I see that like, you know, fucking, you know, right wing nuts, just like <laughs> at the Capitol. And like, what is, what is this going on? Are you it's... telling me that Iggy Azalea was the person yes. who informed you of the January 6th <laughs> insurrection? Yes. I love that was texted from your your sister who I've from what you're from what you've told me is seems super woke and like like yeah. with with the times and I just love how she's like hey Jack check this out That's no so literally funny. it was like said with nothing too like this That's is crazy so like funny. none of that it was like wait what yeah wow i woke since i was on the west coast and i have horrible sleeping hours yep yep uh yeah <laughs> he, josh is showing us to confirm uh he actually did see it on january yeah. 6th oh, uh, again i did believe you I, I it would be crazy if that was not the case um mm-hmm. hey woke. I, I have horrible sleeping habits and i'm on the west coast so i woke up to it happening um and i woke up because my mom like like i like took like you know opened my door and started like she was pretty hysterical um, and not in in a very valid way. She used to work there. You know, she used to work at the Capitol. She worked in the government for a lot of years. She was a Capitol Hill aide in the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, has been very like I, you know, I lived my almost my entire life in Washington, D.C. at that point. Um, so it's it was traumatic, but it was just one of those things where I just wake up to it happening and just was not fully cognizant. So it's always interesting to hear stories of how like people learned because it's usually very different from me just waking up. Come on, babe, rise and shine. Let's get that beautiful ass out of bed. You want cereal? <laughs> Watch a tiger. Please My name is Alice. Alice. How nice to see you again. What the hell is going on here? We have you under our control. 
They used me to perfect the virus. Everyone I've ever known. Everything I've ever done. It's being used against me. Now they can manipulate the world. We've taken over New York, Moscow, Tokyo. This is humanity's last stand. The beginning of the end. Good luck. You'll need it. Umbrella's more powerful than ever. And we're the only ones who can stop them. Sweet ride. So, I saw the first one a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, um, I saw the first three back to back, I think, um, back in what 2016. Holy shit. Um, and like I wrote little reviews for them and I was like, I, I don't know what made me finally pull the trigger because that was at the point where I just wanted to watch stuff that was highly regarded or or something that was coming out recently because I was like, really picky of just like, well, I have all these movies that all these critics love and all that. So I need to watch either stuff that just came out or stuff that's like classics or like highly or like, you know, popular or, or iconic in pop culture so i don't know what me, what was the um inflection point or me just being pulling the trigger of like all right i gotta watch these so yeah 20 october 2016 i i saw the first three and then i stop and then i don't watch afterlife until 2021 that's a oh. five-year break it's a bizarre i i can't tell you what i think it was maybe because people were I, I I met more people who were under like who were reclaiming them right as action yeah. like gold American standard like yeah. as in one of the best action movies you know it, it, from the West during that time er, time period um, mm-hmm. and I think that's what can be like okay I gotta see what the fuss is about. And so I watch, and, and obviously once I started Afterlife, I had to do some deep Wikipediaing of like, what the fuck happened in those first three movies? I'm just like, I don't fucking remember anything. Um, and then I watch all three of them basically back to back. Yeah, all in like May 2021. Uh, and I am just completely smitten with them. I I... I I liked when I first saw the first three, I liked the first one, didn't like the second one and thought the third one was decent as well. But I had no real pull of them. Uh, I, I felt no real deep connection. But um, it just was one of those things where I kind of realized, that was one of those movies where I realized critics can be wrong. Mm. Um, I've seen plenty of other movies that were like, maligned that i turned out to love or like 
So that wasn't, I, I think it was that they were so despised by critics that it kind of threw me for a loop. And almost since then, I mean, for the last two years, I have almost, I have gone out of my way to watch movie, like action movies that were critically reviled, but are being reclaimed by some. I mean, this last year or so, I've been watching a ton of Scott Atkins movies. None of those movies have really critically praised. Not really. I mean, some of them are. But like even his his maybe his most notable one, Universal Soldier um, Day of Reckoning is like a 50 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and no one really sees these movies and they're like, you know, low budget, blah, blah, blah. And then I see a bunch of other like action films that come from Spain or from. Uh, was it Myanmar? No. Myanmar, like, and just all these other random films that, um, that you know, have like, you know, 20% on Rotten Tomatoes or like four, four out of 10 on IMDb or whatever, whatever fucking stupid metric you want to use. Um, and then I start listening to people who are like, hey, check this out, check this out. Don't look at the, what they're, you know, don't look at what the critics are saying because I'm trying to learn more from the experts of the genre, the genre itself. Not listen to what, you know, Joe from Vanity Fair thinks of it. And and I said Joe just have a random name. I don't if there is a Joe from Vanity Fair. No, I don't know. Um, is there? Am I actually? I don't I know. know. Joe okay. Reed has contributed to Vanity Fair, but I don't know. If okay, not you, Joe Reed. I'm not calling you. I just Vanity picked Fair. a random name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Stefan. Stefan from Vanity Fair. That's what I'll say. Or, um, well, there is Stefan. No, yeah. <laughs> um. But you no, know, listen to people like people we've had on this podcast before, mm-hmm. like Vice yeah. Victus, um, and who are and we have Brandon Strusing on soon, mm-hmm. um, again. And these are people who like you know, and maybe they don't want to be called experts or whatever, but people I trust with these kind mm-hmm. of films. That's how I learned of Mark Dukakis's Drive with um, Kareem Hardison. That's one of my favorite movies, and that's like a random director video action movie that came out in the nineties. So Resident Evil is so funny just thinking about like how these Resident Evil, these last three Resident Evil movies are pretty like foundational to me, kind of giving a, uh, give, getting a greater understanding of how I don't have to live by what, like, I don't have to be so focused on what critics are saying. I just should just get like a collective, like a group of like five or six people I trust, listen to what they like, and then go from there. Mm-hmm. And all of that shit that they've recommended me, I don't like, I think some of it's bad, but that's with everybody. And that's with everything. Um, so, but I've been able to discover and be so much more open to stuff. Um, and so that's so yeah, I I, I and then I and then I watched at some point the first um Alien versus Predator and was also kind of just kind of realized that I'm PWS good. That's that like that, you yeah. know, it's like he good. What else have you good? That's what really it. It's the Resident Evil movies and um Predator versus or Alien versus Predator. Maybe one more. I, gotta I wanted see more, to do though. more, but I had a, I, I had a busy week. Um, I I wanted to do more. You watched all of them. Movies. You don't need to fucking say anything. Yeah. You watched no, 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 all no. of the Resident Evils. Have you seen um, Red Rising? Either? No, no, no. I, I haven't. It's crazy. I know. I know. Yeah. One of the perfect horror movies. It might be the scary. I don't get oh scared gosh. watching horror movies. That was one of the only horror movies that I was like. That's crazy. At the end of it. Um, yeah. I guess that leads to me. Uh, I I have no um I had no I didn't know what these were like even about 
um i think they had like i never really even oh i had no connection with the game maybe we should yeah, say that yeah, i have no connection that. to the yeah. game no I, do not give two shits yeah. don't i don't leon kennedy fuck off i don't care i don't i don't give a shit scary video games i can't do like i can't do them either be, and i play a lot immersed of in that i can't do uh, them. no no i can't i can't um i, I tried to play the game but my brother got mad at me because i like ruined his save so then i like never played it again <laughs> that's the funniest that makes me so happy that's so funny that rules um yeah i saw them all this past week um i didn't know like how much continuing fabric there is between them all and it looks like the last three really have like a central story or or like like they care about the the story more than the previous three but um it's yeah no i i mean like like you guys say it's like they are this maligned franchise that critics just don't get because like it sort of has its own language about it like um it starts with that opening monologue like it starts and ends with like narration and there's like a clear sort of like black and white good and evil thing it's like it has its own um pattern of storytelling um i sort of likened it to like mad max a little bit where it's like you know alice sort of like is plopped into these different scenarios um, and the that, continuity and mad, is almost not right 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 it, that's that's again why i thought of it like mad max because it's like no, it's, a great, it's, different, that's a great it's it's a different yeah. like um uh, stories but it's like the same central perspective i guess and um it's mila's insanely good and really if it wasn't for mila like these would not be i i I guess the needs that that like that um grounded performance that sort of like has it have it, it she has this like knowing quality but but like um someone who's like still a little afraid but can hold her own like I don't know. She like understands the character so well at this point that she just gets better and better throughout the movies. And, and not just her. It's also her costume designer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this movie's nothing without like, I mean, like her outfits are all so iconic. I mean, the first one that, that red dress and then I, I think the last two also are like so unique. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're always like totally impractical. Like why? I mean, but I mean, these movies are just so I think the last the, when did the last one be practical? It's like what a crop top and like I, yeah, I guess the last one. And then I think was it Extinction? She also has like that crop top looking thing or or whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, right, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, that jacket and right, right. No, well, but, retrib- the, the, but the the retribution is like <laughs> what? Huh? You can move in that? I should or, say nothing. You had like 10 um, seconds to put it on too. It's like there, no way you did that on your own. Um, I know yeah um yeah i don't know like what else do i yeah i mean it like i said before it's like it really does remind me of how i viewed the alien franchise that's like three and four in prometheus covenant i thought were just like so like interesting and eerie um way different from like their reputation and yeah like very similar to these where it's like it's i just i just don't think that we got what 
Paul W.S. was going for until like we had distance away from uh, when the franchise ended. And when when everyone is saying like final chapter is literally the final chapter, like they're not just subtitling that to to say it is for now. Like I believe them. Like it really does have like a sense of finality to it. And it gives the movie a lot more weight than we may have given it credit for. Um, Cause I think I, I wasn't interested, but I was aware of final chapter when it was coming out and it's like the reviews were just like pretty terrible. And that like added on to the dogpiling that the move that the franchise like had already going for it. <laughs> uh, congratulations on another uh, Resident Evil movie. I have to ask, it's my first question, you know, in 1984, Friday the 13th made a film called The Final Chapter, and it was the fourth. Was that, that 1984? <laughs> and, wow. And they have made at least 16 more since then. <laughs> so we, so we, this, we've got a lot to catch up on. We have hope. <laughs> <laughs> is this the actual final chapter? It is the final chapter. I mean, this is where really the story comes full circle. And Alice finally discovers who she is and where she came from. And uh, it's quite an amazing journey and, and, and a really interesting twist. Mm -hmm. So you guys called this the final chapter. You're all in agreement. You don't want to make any more? Or is it just because the story feels like a natural ending here? Uh, you know, my husband, who, who directs and writes them, he's very symmetrical. So he made three in 2D and, and three in 3D. So he, he figured, let's just, you know, go out with a bang, you know? <laughs> Uh, so he, so he's worked on all six of them, right? Yes. He's directed all of them. Yes. What role do sort of do you have in it at this point? I mean, I feel like you probably have some kind of ownership or feel ownership over this character. Um, well, definitely. I mean, I, I think naturally, our, uh, Alice is a, a part of me at this point. But I, I think uh, I had much more uh, input into the scripts at the very beginning. I mean, when we first met, he changed the entire script because actually he hired Michelle Rodriguez after hiring me for the movie, and then he rewrote the whole script so that Michelle got all the great action sequences. <laughs> and I got to Germany where we were filming, and I was like, all right, we are sitting down with the script, going through it page by page, and I'm gonna show you what the differences are. And if you don't change it, I'm out of here. And I think that was the night he fell in love with me. And I know that Clay and myself really are interested in cinema scores because it's like that the franchise always has like scored like b like across all of the movies which is crazy to me which is interesting i think it had like once plus but still it's like but well when i mean it's crazy it's that low because it feels like to me for people who to keep coming back to this they must love these movies yeah yeah and it's like and i don't I don't understand if you, unless it's like uh, Apocalypse, if you go into like liking Resident Evil and you come out not like thinking, oh, that was fine. It's like, why did, what? Why'd you go? I thought like, you know what you were getting yourself into. Um, and yeah, Retribution has the worst one of the bunch, which is um, does fascinating. Yeah, C plus. Mm -hmm. And that's, and all the other ones have like Bs or B minuses. Um, it's bad. So it's a, I know, right? It's bizarre. Um, yeah, I just I find it so interesting because you would think that, you know, you look at to kind of compare it to like like a Tyler Perry movie in a very different, I can't believe I said that, but I am. <laughs> just go with me here. Tyler Perry movies and animated movies, no matter how shitty, get really good cinema scores. Almost Medea all. goes to Raccoon City. <laughs> I, that's five out of five joke. Um, 
they get really good cinema scores because they have a dedicated audience. When you go to those movies, you know what you're looking for. If you're going to, an, if you bring your kids to an animated movie, they're not going to be like, that sucked, dad. Um, they're going to be like, oh, that was great. Um, if it's Resident Evil to me, I feel like it would operate under that same metric because it's like, who are, who's going to these movies knowing that you don't like them or knowing guess, that you don't, right. you're not, this is not your genre. I think uh, is, it, is it a thing with the games that they're based on something like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. So. Yeah. I think you, you sort of answered the question a little though, quite. Um, I think it does have to do with the genre. Think especially the first Resident Evil. When it came out, try thinking of a zombie movie within the 20 years prior. Right. It was the first real zombie movie we had had at that scale since like Romero. Um, right. So it was initially point. going to direct, and which is even yeah. Um, yeah. It's so I, I think at least the first one, like that was before the zombie uh, like resurrection <laughs> um, that happened in the 2010s, which I think this franchise was a big part of. Yeah. But I think zombie people, people that love zombie movies are going to see every zombie movie. Like That's when one goes to the theater, you don't get them that often. You don't, you never know what you're going to get. So if, if there's, a, and I, I'm there, like if there's a zombie movie coming out and you know, it could be from like anywhere in the world, like I'll, I'll see it. Um, and I, I, I think that might have something to do with it. And, and to be honest, it's interesting too, that you're talking about the cinema scores because like we've been, assholes i guess to the like the critics so far but the the fans are also wrong um I mean, it's true I, it's like, true yeah look up paul ws anderson on youtube and you're gonna see some like the most heinous things you've ever seen um people hate him um they think he's like ruining video game movies um and like that he's just which is just so stupid um first of all who cares if he ruins your video game and secondly he's like the biggest <laughs> nerd in the world um like he's he loves these characters that's why he's making them it's stupid to think that he's ruining them on purpose or anything um and isn't that like the whole thing about video game movies that none of them are good or like there's very little and he, successful but he's adaptation. the one he's the reason it's, they say that exactly and that's crazy mm-hmm. to me it's like they put him in the same camp as Uwe Boll's far cry movies or some shit yeah. like it's yeah when you look at Ret- when you watch retribution like that is a fucking that's like it goes they go stage by stage into different fucking levels with different action scenes with different characters it's like i don't it, it's just because they don't have fucking alice's made up from is a yeah, purely made up, made up for the movies yeah, yeah. so it's on at, at some point i've completely realized or at some point i realized that it's all about it's the same people who just cry and cry when it's not it doesn't match up to the source material Exactly. I don't take I don't take those people seriously anymore. No matter how fucking respected you are, like I've seen this with like The Last of Us, which I mean, mm. I and I know like that movie that show is getting praised, and it doesn't need to be. No one needs to stick up for it. Sure. But I see people who complain like, oh, it's not like the game. Oh, it's not as cynical as the game. Oh, it's not blah blah blah. And I'm like, the moment you say as the game, I don't fucking care. I played that game. I have different opinions about that game. It's like I like that game, but it's. I don't know. It's like, what? just watch the thing for itself. If you don't like it, that's fine by me. But the moment you say, I prefer this to the game, I don't take you seriously anymore. You just go straight out of my, the other side of my ear. Like, I don't care. And it's not just games too. I, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing you guys haven't, you, neither of you have seen it because you didn't say it, but his Three Musketeer movie, 
holy mm-hmm. shit it is one of the most adrenaline like caffeinated movie like if i were to describe that movie caffeinated is the only like <laughs> word you, you can use um it is one of the just most bonkers ways to imagine that story i mean there's like like metallic ships that like fly and like like it 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 makes no sense and yet somehow if you've read three musketeers it's like one of the most loyal adaptations and like that it preserves like the kernel of the story um and that's what he does i think that's so great is like he he knows what makes a story tick and then he makes it his own which is what I want to see. If I wanted to play the video game, I'd play the damn video game. Like if I wanted yeah. to read Three Musketeers, I would read Three Musketeers. But that's like I want to see Paul W. S. Anderson's take on Three Musketeers, and that's what makes them interesting. Yeah, because it's not like style first or anything. It's or, or like it's not Paul W. S. Like inserting him himself first, but it's rather like I'm going to see like the beats of the story first, and then like apply myself and i i don't know I, of course yeah. we can name other filmmakers who do the reverse but then it's like you can so clearly see like he has like sort of a process when adapting i i think that's true and also like i guess to go back to the video games i think it's also bonkers that like we consider him to be not like a legit video game adapter because i don't know of another director that uses the visual language of video games to make movies like he's looking at them the same way like previous directors looked at paintings as for inspiration or like classic movies he will look to like i mean look at retribution and call of duty nuketown like he's looking at nuketown for direct inspiration for these movies and he's taking call of duty as serious art and like as a video game fan how could you not like love that um i mean ebert famously thought that video games weren't art um, and I, I don't think he had, a, you know, he didn't get to see Retribution, I don't think. <laughs> uh, I, you have to wonder, like, this is the, the best argument I think that we have that video games are art is, is, is explicitly Resident Evil Retribution, because that is a video game that you are watching, basically. It's like the same thing as watching it on Twitch. Or not the right. same thing. It's a movie, but like he, he's using a lot of the same visual language, which is just so fucking cool. Like as somebody that grew up playing video games and not even these ones, like I didn't play these video games, but. Yeah, I mean, I and I can get why you're annoyed by the way something is adapted. So I'll so I love the Assassin's Creed video games. Um, I think they're a ton of fun. I grew up on them. Uh, when I watched the Fastbender one, um, years and years after it came out, I was disappointed um, because it didn't. It was so much focused on the modern day rather than the historical, which I found to be the whole point of those games was that you're put back in uh, a time of history and creating your own mythology of like, what if uh, assassins talk to Socrates about philosophy once in a while? Silly shit like that. Um, and the in the in the movie was more about silly shit in modern day and like like super philosophical questions and stuff and I disliked it. Um, and I still kind of do. Do you I like uh, J- Justin Grizel? Like he's a good director. I well, the thing is, the reason why that movie frustrates me is because I think the the historical scenes look so great and are so have so much like Im- like so much texture to them and so much um, 
imagination that the moment you get back to modern day where it's just like kind of gray dull like hospital it's just mm -hmm. really kind of annoying um but i had to like step back for a little bit and i have to look back at now my first reaction to it and it's just like okay do i not like that movie because it's not the game that i want it's not the movie i wanted to be or it's not the, from it's not the game that i loved or do i not like it because i don't like it it's the latter but i had to interrogate that um i don't like that movie but i think the idea that i you know that it's failing is because it didn't adopt the source material i wanted it to adopt is ludicrous because then that's not art that's you wanting something to that's wanting that's wanting your imagination to be represented on screen fuck your imagination you're not making it you're not making the movie so you have no right to expect that and to so be frank, it's whoever you are your imagination is not as good as paul w sanderson like sure <laughs> It's true. Yeah. And and it also goes to the point, like, when, you know, when talking about, oh, it didn't adapt this from the book or this from the comic. And as a comic book nerd, I've always heard about these babies crying about what was adapted and not adapted. But it's like, then read the fucking thing. <laughs> you didn't rip it. It's there. I know. Yeah. But I, I no mean, one like, burnt I mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the same goes for people who are like, the book is always better than the film. It's like, there can be two versions. It doesn't yeah. matter that it's ridiculous. Like, I know it's like the scale doesn't have to tip just because like cre lib creative liberties were made. Um, I, I've never, under I've never grasped that because it's, it's just like, yeah. Well, anybody that says that just doesn't watch enough movies or read the books. That, yeah. Like try telling me that Revenant, the book is better than the movie. Like you can't, <laughs> I've read the book. It's not better. Jaws was a book first. Right. Think Jaws yeah. is a better book? No, nobody's read it. <laughs> yeah, or Jurassic wasn't Jurassic Park a book first? Yeah, Michael yeah, Creighton. Like, Creighton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like not a chance. Grad, the Graduate, even yeah, it's like there's no way. Yeah. No. yeah. Three Musketeers, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's maybe kind of focus on on retribution, then we can get to final chapter. But retribution um obviously has maybe my one not gripe but a thing i have to adjust when watching these movies is the continuity because i because it's some i'm so my brain sometimes can be so linear based that i'm just like where the fuck what the what 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 was the transition how did this happen where did so i have to kind of just calm down and be like none of this makes sense no one really thought about how to do this correctly just watch the movie and watch pd you know PWS go to work watch him watch him cook some shit up and be happy with that yeah. I didn't even notice until this most recent viewing that Wesker is the boss in Retribution and then he's the underling in the next one um like <laughs> and I looked at the like Wikipedia's just because I'm like how do they explain this and on paper it kind you can kind of have all of them make sense you have to jump through a lot of hoops um, like, okay, well, Isaacs was dead and he only comes back be and, only and that's why Wesker was the acting in charge. And well, the Red Queen was wanting to kill humanity, but maybe it was actually a ploy by what, like, it's all of it. It's just so convoluted. Um, but when you get, but once you get into the rhythm of the movie, and even if they don't make sense, I do love the introductions of both of them, the whole, my name's Alice and them just doing exposition. Because one, it, it you, I don't know. I like when that gives editors a chance to be like, 
how am I going to cut this up? How am I going to make, how, how, how is this going to make sense? How am I going to get people in the mood for this? Um, but also in retribution, you have that gorgeous opening of the reverse time of her falling off that ship of the Arcadia. Mm -hmm. Um, and that brilliant action scene, uh, which is a crazy choice to have the movie start with because it has no serves no plot functioning it's serve and you know it's not like a an action scene that everyone's gonna be pleased with it is a purely artistic choice um to also show off the music which is great something that people don't talk about that retribution sport is great yes tom and yeah, this, yeah which i i don't i'm terrible at talking about music so i'm gonna like avoid it but I know that Tom and Andy, like if you just read their Wikipedia page, they do like some really interesting stuff with like computer music and that like they were sort of innovators in some technologies and stuff. And I think one of them has a like PhD in like using math to somehow make music and and, all, and it's just interesting. Like, you know, I, I can't really talk about the point of that, but it's interesting that the music's doing the same thing that he's that Paul is doing with like digital cinema like mm -hmm. it's a digital score for a digital movie which yeah is awesome yeah the digital cinematography obviously works so well to like give that fluid look to to the movies like it does in the games and i, I mean i guess speaking as of all of us who have never played the games it does feel like I would, it feels weird saying it. it like does feel video, it does feel like in line with it because it's, it's like, of course, like it has its own, like, um, it has its cadence, like the dialogue feels like, like rehearsed, I guess. And it's like, it, it's like, we can all imagine like video game dialogue and, and that feels like overwritten. And I think that kind of like helps it too. Um, and a lot of the shots feel, I don't know, like there are things where it's like, no, it's, it, it's, it's yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's weird that people who play the games feel like a betrayal with the. Well, it's because they have no visual lit literacy and to I be get, a yeah. be a dick about it. They don't yeah. know. They don't understand the images they're looking at. They only understand dialogue and the characters and how they yeah. look. Oh, that doesn't look like my Leon. That doesn't like it. Just like they don't understand like the grammar of it, like yeah. the actual grammar of filmmaking. And I know I, that's maybe the most pretentious shit I've ever said, but no, 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 it's no, true. no. You're you're yeah. right, and it's like not to make it go back to your AVP comment. I mean, it's like what did they want? If they wanted the for... fucking video game, and they wanted it to be taken, and they wanted it to have like taken be be taken so seriously. This is and it was taken seriously, just not in the way they liked. They wanted to. Yeah. They. It's because they're so insecure that they felt like this wasn't like they didn't get. They weren't granted legitimacy from this because other people mm -hmm. didn't like it. No, everyone else needs to like it because they need to understand why I love these games. So I'm cool now. It's mm -hmm. like it's just inse it's insecurity. Not yeah. to keep going back to this, but the, I, I do want to. But yeah, the the beginning. What, what do you guys think of the, the beginning and the reverse reverse um, uh, time effect? I think it's genius, and I have a question for you about this. Is it the same boat as Afterlife? It looks like it, but I didn't, I didn't yeah. interrogate it that hard. But it yeah. seems a bit. But it's I'm pretty sure both were called the Arcadia. So mm -hmm. I I. The answer is no. I mean, it is oh. like 
in continuity. It's the Arcadia. It's the same boat. But it looks different. The real boat went off to sea. So they didn't have the real boat. So funny. So they That's filmed so this, funny. Um, like a 10, I think, it was, or it might have been 10 by 10, like, patch that they found, like, a Toronto dumpster of, like, something that kind of looked like a boat top. So it, it's <laughs> only, like, like, there's very little actual, like, surface for them to play with. But it looks flawless. Like, it looks like right. the exact same boat to me. Um, and it's just interesting to, like, think about it that way. Like, they're doing this like that is the most convincing part of the visual effects is reconstructing this boat it's not all of like the the reverse slow motion or anything like that like if you don't buy the boat you don't buy the scene um and you don't even know that the boat's fake which i think is very like i don't know it just it, it doesn't look like the damn volume um right mm-hmm. yeah um and you met and you mentioned that how crazy volume looks now compared at when you were talking when your maybe was this your most recent review of retribution and you mentioned how this is kind of like an eerie uh preview of what volume technology looks like because i i didn't think of that and that was a brilliant point on how this i this artificiality that you can kind of almost tell from instant is being used as this way to like no no it's happening don't you see no it's of course real these are real environments i think it's extra telling because he went to the real environments to make it look artificial because he knew you wouldn't buy the artificial version of these places so like he actually filmed in the red square and in new york because you wouldn't have bought a fake new york but he wants it to look fake so then he in post has to make it look artificial despite the fact that it's the real fucking place um and i think that's what's the like the cool part like anticipating that just fundamental flaw and like the flaw of depth too with the volume like i don't know if you guys watched kenobi but like there's like like there's two planes in kenobi there's like the characters and there's like a wallpaper there's like nothing in between the character or the new ant-man's that way too you have characters up front and then like just like a blank wallpaper that looks like it was like printed for like you know like some nerds like desktop wallpaper um, right and that's it um whereas like in or the real red square you have things of varying depth um between the foreground and the background um and there's not just like one point where it becomes background um which I think is very, um, what's cool about these, but that that's more later. Um, I guess we we're talking about the boat. Right. Jack, right. Did you think but, the boat? Yeah. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. What did you think of the boat scene? No, I, I loved it. Um, I think it was so cool. Um, I mean, if there's like one part of, uh, retribution that was like such an interesting subversion, it was definitely like seeing Alice as a, suburban family like like that was i mean to jump ahead a little bit that that was a part where where it's like they they really like made a a pivot that yeah i just i just thought was like pretty brilliant see i remember the suburbia thing being before the boat and i only saw this movie only like two years ago so it wasn't super long but it's like i for sure remembered the boat being like, I remembered that the suburbia was the cold open, but because mm-hmm. it, 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 it operates in that way, because um, it's like 
because it's before she, like you know alice is allowed to like be a full functioning character besides just in that set piece um but it is that it was interesting that just seeing the boat thing first and then um the suburbia moment which is yeah and they do this thing where they bring back a lot of the same actors and you know in ways that don't make sense um but it's fine uh they're clones but like how do they get the it doesn't matter all right it doesn't matter like the moment you start asking these questions the moment you start like losing your mind um yeah but no it's like it but is that subversion of like and you talk to um PWS, he wanted to kind of his last the last two are him just trying to connect all of it together like the last one or, or um retribution has elements from apocalypse extinction the first one like all of them and then you have you know and then um the last one is obviously much more of an ode to the very first one and to like it like extinction a, a little bit so that it, the last two are very much com, com, um made in the idea of this kind of synergy between all of them but yet two very distinct styles yes Uh, yeah and final chapter is different just in the grand scheme of his canon i guess too like true that sort of visceral fast editing isn't something that you see very often in his movies um no no that's it um no and I forget, I thought there was some some production issue, or not issue, but like this choice of like having this new editor on the scene, but I might have, I, I, I didn't research that, so that just popped in my head, so I don't know if that's true. Um, but yeah, so like the whole idea of the suburbia, because that's something we don't really see in the movies. Usually by the time, so when Alice like wakes up in, uh, it's been a while, but when when she wakes up in like uh, um, apocalypse, it's going on, like it's already going. In this, it is this idea of how we don't see that domestic. We it's been like mo- it's been so many movies since we've seen like the time before the apocalypse, uh, the zombie mm-hmm. apocalypse. The domestic we we almost see no domestic scenes of any kind in the entire franchise. To be mm-hmm. plopped right back there is almost more concerning than zombies. It does remind you a little bit of the op- the cold open of the first one with her waking up in the shower, um, mm-hmm. which is also just a fantastic sequence. And I don't think most people realize like this franchise starts with like nine minutes of a silent film, basically. Where it's just mm-hmm. her like wandering around this mansion and outside and like there's n- there's no talking or anything, um, which is it's really it's really great. Yeah, um, it reminds you of the cold open of Dawn of the Dead too, the Zack Snyder film, yeah. or or twenty or twenty eight days later. I don't remember too. that one. What's what, how's that start? Uh, he wakes up. You get to see some killing murphy dick um but you also he just wakes up in a gown and just kind of wanders the outskirts of london not seeing anybody until finally he runs across naomi harris i mean that's that's actually funny that's how like walk one of the like the first episode of walking dead it's like it is this really idea of how zombie apocalypse always starts in isolation of a person it's never like Yes, you see, like, um, there are, you know, times as the crisis is going on as our protagonists uh, or as the movie starts. But that after effect of the person just kind of walking around, it's like, the Mm -hmm. fuck's happening? 
Um, or even like to to bring it to Mad Max again, like the first one is like society is on the decline, but then like two is like when it's actually like ev- like evaporated, and then yeah. It's interesting that you brought up Twenty Eight Days Later because Danny Boyle did that, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. In another world, Anderson would have had a similar career to Danny Boyle. I mean, they both start in the same film movement in Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they called it the British New Wave. I'm not sure on that. And that uh, Anderson only really did one film. It was Shopping, which is this one of the great leftist films of all time. Um, it's about these punks who their like full time gig is driving into massive superstores with their cars right before looting starts to like help people loot better from like super rich companies. Like that's what they they do. Um, it's this awesome little film. But anyways, are you saying the guy who made Resident Evil Retribution about how super company, how countries and like super corporations are trying to kill us all is a leftist? Are you telling me that right now, Josh? I'm absolutely telling. Yeah, no. Um, but it's interesting because in another world, he would have had a similar career to Danny Boyle, but he was so his shopping did not do well. Um, and he felt like if he he his quote it's it was i think in a vulture he said he felt like if he went back to britain he was going to end up working in a coffee shop so that's why he ended up doing more because he felt like he had to go to hollywood um he he didn't feel like he stood a chance in in britain um i don't even know if he ever made another british movie actually i think that might have been the only one um yeah that sounds like another one yeah Uh, and he was offered i think around the same time he was offered x-men um and not doing that God, that would have been so much better. Oh, and then he was, and then he was offered um, Resident Evil. I think not too far after um, X Men. Yeah, but that's when he decided to do Event Horizon, I believe. Um, right. Uh, which I, that movie really changed his career. Um, I think that was his first mm-hmm. like real finding. Well, no, Mortal Kombat did well financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, like it. Yeah, of course, like that one sort of like laid the groundwork I, I don't think we would we would think it laid it well but certainly it was something there uh for him to learn from as how to adapt what could seem like the unadaptable with what video games and their specific language how to make them cinematic um because it's it's like you wouldn't suspect them to have a character as as compelling and as realized as alice and i get and i and i we already said that she was a, like a a new like she, she didn't come directly from uh from the from, games or like, the same thing happens in the, in the mortal Kombat. you follow a character that's not in the games okay all right and i think the yeah. new one also has a new like they yeah. it's always because it's interesting and I, a lot of Directors do this in the sense of trying to find an audience surrogate that is just not present within the actual games. Um, now, I don't know if I would call Alice an audience surrogate. I mean, maybe in the first one a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, she kind of has like a Sarah Connor feel, right? Or like sort of like mm-hmm. like a um, resistant hero turned like um, self assured like leader, I guess, or independent leader. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I think from my understanding, the first one has just like almost zero connections to the games besides mm-hmm. it like sharing like Raccoon City and Umbrella and Red Queen. I, besides that, I think it's like like it does not share like even a close closely with the plot line of one of the games. Now, I could be fucking wrong, but that's what I assume. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Like that'd be a boring game to play like the like start. Yeah, just you know, the hive. Right. Well, not just the hive, but like. Like you don't. Oh yeah, like, Run, running around a, the mansion. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all that was just—it wouldn't be a fun video game. Like <laughs> no, you're not even killing zombies. You're trying to get away from them. Like that's it. Um. Uh. In. So during like the beginning, and we don't need to go this go by you know like beat by beat for uh, retribution, but just to kind of get get us grounded, it's like what you the biggest thing you see. Obviously, you see the return of. Oh, I don't know the man's name. Uh, he was in, he had he, like the only kind of romance she's ever had in any of the movies was in uh, Extinction with this guy. Was this, I, uh, Oded Farrer is the actor, I believe. Right. I, yeah. Okay. Him. Um, because yeah, he plays her husband in the suburbia, uh, dream or whatever, or, uh, um, simulation. But then you see Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of crazy they got her back. Mm-hmm. Um, one, they probably didn't have, they probably couldn't have paid her. I mean, they probably couldn't have paid any of these people that much. I mean, they were on set for maybe like a day. Like you, so who knows? But like, she's, let's see, 2012. So Fast mm-hmm. Five has already come out. Maybe this was made right, right as that was coming out. Um, she dies in four so i guess she was at a she wasn't back yet so i guess this was kind of at a lull period but i mean this after avatar like she is like an actor um she's a known movie star which of course like that's like the movie's secret weapon is like having shelly rodriguez come back when she was in relative unknown at or or, or well girl fight was out by the time Resident Evil was out, but but like was gearing up to be more known after Resident Evil. It's like, yeah, no, it's rad that she's back, and and it's like it sort of plays with this idea of like someone that we went to do in their first one is now here again. I gotta say, I think I <laughs> this is like one of the very few critical things I have to say about PWSA. I think he's a terrible director of actors. Um, and I think Michelle Rodriguez is pretty bad in these movies. Um, oh, interesting. And not just her. I think for the most part, most of the side characters are pretty bad. Oh, they're awful. Yeah, they're 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 B tier actors, and he's suffered from this throughout his career. I mean, there's some notable exceptions, like he gets Kurt Russell and Soldier, which is a great movie, um, and then uh, has some real actors with him in Event Horizon. He has Sam Neill and uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, and and of course Mila is great. Um, I think Ian Ian Glenn's also really fun in these movies. Yes, yeah, Ian Glenn's good. Um, but like the guy that plays Albert Wesker, like yeah, oh my god, he looks CGI. Do you ever? Do you guys <laughs> have noticed that he doesn't look like a real person? Anytime he's on screen, he looks like a video game character. And I don't yeah. know if that's a conscious <clears throat> choice by PT, uh, B, B, uh, 
PSW or PWS? Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, Jesus yes. Christ, we're getting so close. Um, <laughs> oh, did I? Oh, I told. Let me tell the story real quick. So I was. I think I went. I think I saw the French Dispatch in theaters, and I went to work, and a friend of mine was talking to me. It was like, and I'm, he's like, "Oh, what do you do this weekend? Oh, I went to go see uh, French Dispatch. Oh, who, uh, oh, and it's the Wes Anderson movie. I was like, oh man, I really love his Resident Evil movies. <laughs> And I had to be like, you like what now? And he's like, oh, yeah, his Resident Evil movies are great. And I'm like, yeah. and like, you, you know, the same guy who directed like Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's like, yeah, yeah. those are great movies. Yeah. He also and did movie like, Blood, right? Right. <laughs> and I had to and I had to be like, no, different guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Shout out, John. Right. You fucking it's it's Alec Baldwin narration, right? And it's and it's like, you know, it's um, so fun. It was so like, funny. Um, yeah. I had I had such a kick when he told me that. Yeah. Gwyneth um, Paltrow is the lead, you know. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine what that looks like. Uh no, but yeah, I, I agree. I do not think any performances aside from Mila are very good. The guy who plays Leon is atrocious and all but no wesker yeah anytime he's in the, especially in retribution when he's like in those video calls i'm just like are you actually there i can't tell and then when he's at the white house i still can't even tell if he's actually real it's so funny um but yeah no they're almost all of them are bad i mean i think wetworth miller is okay in afterlife because i just think he's an okay actor um don't can't think of anyone else uh i mean in the first one i think all of them are actually kind of decent um better but i'm gonna name their names see if you can tell me one other movie any of these people have played in either of you just spitball Mm -hmm. ali larder no she plays claire Mm no sean roberts he plays albert wesker no eoin mackin he plays Doc. See, in the final chapter? Yeah, uh, yeah the, he's in the final chapter. No. <laughs> Fraser James, uh, Razor. Here's one you could probably get, and she is still a bad actor, but Ruby Rose. Yes, yeah, I have, uh, I have, I, I'm one of, I, I'm going to make a wild guess that I'm the only one here who saw her Batwoman show for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, she is, uh, not good uh sometimes makes improvements but sometimes it's like oh mm-hmm. you're actually not good um the only other person so obviously omar omar um who was in extinction and in retribution he's been other shit i can't remember yeah, exactly he's in star trek discovery he's pretty good in that right and um the other character actor or two character actors in the first one and then one of them comes back retribution it's like the head of the strike force a very um, established British actor. Um, he's been on so much television. Um, and then, one? the guy that gets chopped up by the lasers in the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his name's One. Or that's his um, name. And then in the first one, there's the husband or whatever. He's also he was in that show, The Following, with Kevin Bacon, the serial killer show. I was on Fox. It wasn't good. I mean, it was fun. It was really pulpy. Um, it wasn't good though. Um, but yeah, no, literally all of them are just like horrific. Um, the guy who plays Luther, I guess, is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh... Kevin Durant shows up, character actor. Um, 
I don't oh yeah lost. is he right right he's the um he's the guy who dies with a cigar yeah. in his mouth right yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he's in a ton of shit yeah um but no Gravi- has he has gravitas yeah he is not a good director of actors and that and but he's so visually masterful that it really just does not matter yeah and i think it's also how mila even in even though i don't i wouldn't say that she reads all of her lines well um she reads a lot of them well not all of them but her presence and that's what for me that's the most important part of action movies is presence and like her physicality too right i don't give a shit if you can't read a line worth a damn you have to have presence or i'm not going to believe you kicking all of this ass that's just the that's just a matter of fact Dolph Lundgren is not a good like a great actor I mean he has really good moments and he's given some good performances but he has presence Van Damme who has not had does not have the strongest comprehension of the English language great action actor because he has presence Stallone ineligible you can't hear a word he says half the time it's all that no he has presence um now the reason why i really like michelle rodriguez um i mean i think i saw avatar or we watched avatar for the new one and i forgot how really good she is in that movie mm-hmm. yeah she's like really one of the better performances just because she's operating all on charm um i think it's crazy i know there i know she did that one walter hill movie that we will never talk about the assignment um, mm-hmm. we're never talking about that movie um why you know the plot of that movie I do. I mean, I know of the movie. I don't know what it's about. Gender reassignment. Is... That's the whole point. Is that she's forced to transition, and she goes for revenge. Okay. Baffling movie. I have not seen it. Never will. The plot. Okay. The Wikipedia is uh, cursed. Dead. Yeah. Sounds dense. Okay. Yeah. Um, she should be operate like she should get more shots. Like she. I. I think she could be a. I think she has present. I think she is a great. Um physical actor i think the action scenes she did in the last fast and furious were great mm-hmm. um i really would love if she was more in more like 20 million dollar action movies i think mm-hmm. she would be great as like a leading woman i do think it's interesting so for for retribution in particular i know that she asked paul to expand some of her parts because she wanted to mm-hmm. do some more traditionally feminine stuff rather than just holding a gun so like she wanted to play a character that wasn't just tested against the nra yeah um which i thought that was like at least an interesting choice to like request right she ended up ultimately not being that great and no it's fine whatever like i think she's better when she has a gun in her hand um i do too uh, and maybe she thinks that and just wanted to expand like i I still give her lots of credit for like pushing for that like part the thing that blew me away by her performance not it was not her line readings or her playing the suburban mom it was her the ending fight scene where she barely speaks a word um because nowadays they would just cgi her into a monster and be this unstoppable thing she wouldn't still be michelle rodriguez um because they because they would be like well how can we make how can we make it look like she can beat up two you know two like you know 300 pound men or whatever and it's like trust the actor mm-hmm. she looks unstoppable she acts unstoppable same thing with mila is that they it's their physicality and the way they handle action and they use and the way they can demonstrate strength 
just by pure willpower rather than it actually like you know obviously the you know you you hang you know you put a wire on an actor and you pull them away as much <laughs> as far as possible when you punch them to show wow they're really strong but you have to have that force of will with each punch you have to have that constant kind of concentration and that assuredness to look to make it look like you're having actual impact and strength with each of those hits mm. um and so i think those are the moments when she she shines to me and i think that ending fight scene of her plus luther and Ken, fighting luther and kennedy is really well done that's also because pws is a phenomenal director of action and hand-to-hand combat but um it's like those are the moments to me where i'm like okay she, i'm really glad she came back yeah she's good in that final scene it's it's also like they've had so many reps in um mila and michelle rodriguez where it's interest because it's interesting like you can tell where where it's like they're not like awkward in front of the camera anymore and i I suppose it's like they're, they're discovering new shades of their characters that they hadn't before um yeah yeah they're both like the issue with michelle is that she was never meant to be a character um i think that's the issue is that you can't really write yourself out of that one you can't like give her a new dimension because she's just not a real character especially Um, when she was meant to in um in the first one when she was supposed to be a bigger part of it and part of it like i want to give a pass and say well you know, on a meta level, it's all the clones and like right, clones right, right. Like, right. But the truth is, I've seen no. all of Paul W. Sanderson's movies, and um, he's not the the greatest character uh, director. I mean, if you've seen Aliens vs Predators, that's probably one of his worst uh, in terms of uh, the actors. Um, mm, Lance Hendrickson, but that's just because he's Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, and but he's not a terrible caster. Like every he gets some people that are good, and I think part of it's a budget constraint um yes but you can only afford one mila and in hell he probably gets her on discount even you know being right <laughs> why what, what what what's separating her from the rest of the cast yeah. um and also you know to to the to what's her name ever or evo i want to get her right uh yeah ever anderson to her credit i think she's a, a good actor as well um mm-hmm. their, their daughter she plays the red yeah. queen yeah and yeah final one she's very uh, good yeah so he, you know it's not that he's incapable of finding talent um and but maybe it's more passable in this one because they are clones i guess well there is that artificiality to it um that is i mean that's the what i guess it's interesting how this movie I feel like is now agreed upon to be the best one of the franchise. Um, at least anyone worth their salt agrees. Uh, no, I'm mostly joking. Um, but it is to me when I see people talk like this is the one, I mean, I, I might like afterlife a little bit more, but this is the movie that people are just like, yeah, this is, this is the, the best one, one that they'll ride for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and rightfully so. And, yeah. Right. Well, I was yeah. going to ask, Josh, why do you think that is? Because you're the one who brought this to us. Um, we didn't ask you, you wanted to cover the Resident Evil movies. You chose um, Retribution and um, Final Chapter. What What is the selling point of this film compared to the others? What, what What's different? I think what's different is this is... 
everything that two, I, I don't want to name them yet. I, I want to lead into it. There are two different filmmakers slash um, production companies that kind of dominate what the action cinema looks like. Antithesis mm. to both of them. I know what you're talking about. Yes. The first one is going to be less controversial, and that's the MCU. Um, in so many ways, this is the antithesis to what makes the MCU work. And I say that as somebody who started this very podcast saying I grew up on the MCU. Same. Mm-hmm. That was um, that, that was what got me into movies was the MCU. But you're yeah. absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, just look at the way he knows, respects visual effects artists. Mm-hmm. He talks about in one of his interviews, I think it's also with um, Vulture, uh, how he lied about how much knowledge he had of VFX to get his job on Mortal Kombat. So he went to all the VFX houses and spent days and days with them learning VFX. And they were just like baffled because like directors never went to like the VFX houses. And he felt like that experience of going to, and it was multiple houses too. It wasn't just because of the way VFX work, that he got a really good understanding of it. Now you look at that compared to what Marvel does. They hire really indie directors who for the most part have never used visual effects in any significant movies with like, and one glaring early exception is John Favreau who had what Zathura. Um, and mm-hmm. you can notice uh, like a visual effects departure once he leaves. Joe Johnson. Yeah, yeah there, there's handful. There's and, exceptions. Know, yeah, yeah, James Gunn makes real movies still. Like, well, that's the thing, James. But it's so funny. You were talking about James Gunn's like the only one currently working in Marvel who actually like, when you said like goes like talks and interacts and collaborates and understands visual effects it's he it's him that's it that's it there's literally no one else who works in marvel that does that and i actually i actually had a podcast a while back um and i interviewed stephanie soretti he's the vfx head on the the guardians movies um and he was so um like he you could tell he felt valued by james gunn Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that all of, you're not going to hear coming from any VFX artist working in Marvel today. Um, and I think that's one thing that helps separate Paul W.S. Anderson because, and to be frank, he has to respect them because on a $65 million budget, which is right, the, that's the largest budget he had. That was for final chapter. Um, on a $65 million budget, if you don't respect your visual effects artist, you're going to get like what the worst of Black Widow is going to be your entire movie mm-hmm. um so i i think that's part of it and then the other one which this will probably be more controversial but it's precisely why i love him so much is i think he's the antithesis to christopher nolan as well and i oh, think interesting okay and i think this is the best example of what makes him the antithesis um so i i hate most of christopher nolan's movies um uh, to be mm-hmm. honest uh, batman begins i i can't watch that movie um interesting uh, I'm not even a big fan of the Dark Knight Inception. I don't like Interstellar is tolerable, and I think I gave Tenet two and a half stars on Letterboxd. <laughs> it might be my highest Christopher Nolan movie. Um, wow, I I'm not a fan. Um, and a big part of that is he doesn't understand or use space in a way that like makes sense. It's just <laughs> each shot is a shot on its own right, and shots edited next to each other have almost nothing to do with the previous shot um Mm. there's this absolutely amazing video essay by a guy named jim and merson um which i highly recommend watching if you want to like 
really look at Christopher Nolan's movies at like an in-depth way that breaks down this problem. If you just type in Jim Emerson's video essay on Christopher Nolan, you should find it. There's like, also a really good one by Patrick Willems that discusses Nolan's um, technical like, sloppiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technical sloppiness. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people talk about the sound, which is another interesting thing. I don't. I I could care less about the sound, and most of <laughs> like I, I just don't care. Um, but like one example in Tenet, there's this car chasing, and like there's characters trying to go from one car to another. I forget exactly what they're doing. Um, but there's like something in the space that you see that the car has to stop before it gets to this point. It has to do it to a break. And you know, from your experience driving, how long that stop's going to take. And they don't make it in real time. They wouldn't. Um, and not just real time in real, like spatial relationships of like how objects move in like reality. It just hmm. wouldn't. And, and it's just, it's a very small thing, but he just doesn't, use space in an interesting way. Um, and I think part of that too, like Christopher Nolan's sets, I mean, with there's some good ones in like Dark Knight and stuff. I think his sets really lack too. Um, and I think that's related to his use of space. So by contrast, Paul W.S. Anderson is I think one of the best. So, you know, we we're just talking about him being a bad casting or uh, bad acting director. I think he might be one of the best location finders in all of like, mm. Hollywood or blockbuster cinema. Um, I mean, some of these places, I mean, so in Monster Hunter, he films in Nambia and parts mm. that have never been filmed. Um, it's a completely original set or lo location, um, which you you never see that anymore. Like it's a brand new desert um, and it, it looks like something you've never seen before. It, it looks like a fantasy land because we've never seen it on film. Um, I know with Retribution, they filmed in a factory that was so damn cold that the paint wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, dry. So they had to like bring in like hair blowers and stuff to dry the paint for like the umbrella corpse stuff, like when they're in the building, because wherever they filmed, it was so cold. They they couldn't even get it to dry. What what for what scenes was it like the neon, like the like uh, white light? No, I think it's mostly the umbrella logo that they were talking about. Um. I would have to double check it, but it's in, so there's two commentary tracks for Retribution. It's the one with Jeremy Bolt, um, the producer that he talks about it. The one with Mila is, it's pretty bad. Um, I wouldn't listen to that commentary. She, <laughs> I love Mila, but she, she just, she's a jokester, which I don't think you would get from her performances in these movies, but she just can't stop cracking jokes, which makes for like lousy commentary. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Um, but this movie understands space and just such a amazing like look at that hallway scene um or i mean the the initial hallway scene too in the in the first resident evil movie um but just the way he deconstructs and destroys these spaces um and he makes it feel claustrophobic and the set comes alive um and like uh, I wrote down a quote here that I thought was very interesting. Um, well, actually, it's the exactly what I just said. He said that his goal with his 3D crew for retribution was to bring space to life. Um, and, and that that's a precise quote. And that's, I think that's what he does. Um, and it's really interesting that he does that in face, spaces that are supposed to be artificial. Um, and so like one example too is if you look at all like the the tokyo scenes or anything it's this wide open space but it's really enclosed 
um, because you're in a bubble underneath the water and like you you just see how that like it, it makes the individual people feel so small in these spaces mm. um which i think is also related to um he comes from a family of coal miners which i think if you look at his career it's really like the defining thing is these haunted house movies um i mean he's event horizons a haunted house movie which by the way has probably one of the be- his it's his best set it's he takes the notre dame cathedral and turns it into a spaceship um which is just fucking dope um but yeah, that's it's a, also a, really a scary. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's like a really long answer to say, like, he understands spatial awareness in a way that makes his action scenes and not just his action scenes, but like he's obsessed with you knowing where all the characters are. Um, like all those little like CGI or not like the, the digital cutout scenes, like from the maps. Um, like those are in all of his movies. You'd be hard pressed to like find one of his movies that doesn't use those. I think they even have very video gamey. Yeah, I think they even use it in um, Three Musketeers. I think he uses real maps instead of digital maps. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, I don't know about Pompeii. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about Pompeii. Where are we? Pompeii. Okay, cool. That's where <laughs> we're um, but you you always know where all the characters are, which increases like the sense of danger. And like, you know that there's like an, an inability to transgress geography in his movies, that it's not that way in most action cinema like that's what makes that first hallway scene with the lasers so intense is you know there's no escaping this geography and you're just waiting for the inevitable for for that death to come yeah um, it's intense yeah yeah sorry that was it's no no no, no, no it's it great. great it's exactly yeah. why i wanted to um, ask you that's exactly what i was looking for because it's like there is this contrast that's very well set up of the spatial geography and typically this like tight um sort of like communal cast that it's like everyone has like you're sort of like introduced to a lot of these characters early on in the films and yeah like Alice will sort of have like a rapport with with a few of them but also like the worlds still seem so sprawling at the same time that they don't feel like too closed in which is so smart um especially with retribution that you kind of like get this idea that there's a lot going on outside of this um this this group that alice meets but it's like everyone could have her own their own movie if not like we don't focus on just on alice just one Um, more thing to clarify what i was saying do any of you watch hockey (laughs) i i've i have watched hockey okay do you know who are either of you aware who connor mcdavid is Ooh. No, I know, I know Alex Ovechkin. That's all. Sidney Crosby, probably. Um, yeah, Connor McDavid is probably the most skilled player to ever play the sport of hockey. Um, he is probably going to score like 160 points this season, um, which is just fucking unreal. And he's he might be the fastest player to ever play the game. But what he does that's so amazing is he's able to go so fast and change his speeds to just mess with defenders. And it makes him undefendable because at one minute he'll be like going 25 miles an hour. And then he just puts on the brakes and just glides by you. Um, And he just manipulates space in just these really interesting ways to where it really looks like he's playing a video game inside of a hockey rink. Mm. I'm seeing here that one of his nicknames is Canadian super promise. (laughs) That's bananas. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I, I think if, 
Paul W. Anderson was a hockey player, it would have to be Connor McDavid because that's what makes him so lethal is the way he just sees these gaps and just exploits them. Um, mm. I unfortunately have to say that that means Paul W.S. is probably also Kyrie Irving. <laughs> uh, not, in, not in the bad way, but the good way where Kyrie Irving is one of the most, he's one of the most brilliant ball handlers to ever play the game him and him and Allen Iverson in the sense of that manipulation of space that manipulation manipulation of gaps what they do with the ball to break down a defender while also maintaining agility and control at all times mm-hmm. um the way they see um I think Kyrie has said that what he focuses on is the defender's shoulders and tries to exploit that through his dribble moves and to see and have the you know the shoulders point one way or the other so he knows where to drive um but no that's really no i mean i love hey sports analogies my favorite thing in the world so i love that we got a sports analogy in here um but it was interesting when you were talking about the two biggest like antithesis i first thought you were going to talk about 87 north uh which is the david leach chad stahelski um Mm -hmm. production company that has made movies like i mean all of all of Weech and Sahelski's movies have been produced by them, I think. I don't maybe not Deadpool 2 or whatever, but like um, Bullet Train, Atomic Blonde, and then you see other filmmakers um with like Nobody and Kate. Um and a lot of those have varying successes, but yeah. I think what lacks in a lot of them is that the action is impeccable. Um, but sometimes visually it's like nobody I don't think really looks that good. Uh, it looks it, nobody looks I mean the action's good but it's just it has such a fucking bland television looking kind of movie it just has no personality with color or um or uh framing yeah. um Tom Blonde I think has some things going for it um film filmmaking wise um but but what, what a lot of those movies lack, besides like maybe the first John Wick and some parts of like Kate, I guess, is that emotional core. Mm, yeah. And that emotional core is what has been present in a lot of, you know, almost all of the Resident Evil movies. And that core is Alice. And we see that, I mean, to an nth degree in the final chapter. And But in Retribution, I mean, obviously, like, like these last two movies are her going through the most emotional trauma or not maybe not trauma, just most like the emotional um uh obstacles uh you look at her the relationship with her you know you know semi-deaf uh or um, partially deaf daughter um who they were not going to be deaf at first but they found an actor who was partially deaf and just um casted her uh love that and i think the daughter's pretty good um it's fine uh but that emotional baggage she's carrying through that movie that's just kind of thrown on to her at the be- in the middle of an hour and 30 minute movie is pretty herculean because mm. she has to establish almost immediately that she views her as a daughter and actually cares about what she thinks and sees she's um and i kind of and that's the moment where i think she secretly knows that she is in fact a clone that she is an original even though she doesn't she she says that she admits it to herself or like she is surprised by it when isaac says it into the final chapter i think that's when she kind of realizes that 
like because she connects with the idea of her of the child even though being a clone having its own emotional interiority and it mattering to her from her perspective um but those are but those are the moments that that propel the film and propel um mila's uh journey into these movies and that's what is that was that stood out to me the last two rewatches is the emotional uh intelligence and 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 it's hard because he's working with actors who aren't that good uh besides mila who um i who who you know sometimes can struggle in the mm-hmm. real bright in the the real heavy lifting moments of a dialogue or she's an even dialogue scene yeah yeah um because she has no she she can't rely on her physicality but she i mean but there are ways she just finds this still right i i there's these moments where i think she really locks in and i think especially playing off of another character um really helps Mm her um but yeah that that's what stood out to me uh watching retribution and then obviously the final chapter uh, which we can maybe. I was just about to say, yeah. Should we into. get into final? I do want to say that the hallway. Scene Let's flip in... to the channel, final chapter. Yeah! I can't remember much before all this started. Sometimes I feel like this has been my whole life. Running. Killing. My name is Alice, and this is my story. The end of my story. Ten years ago in Raccoon City, there was an outbreak spread across the world within days. One way or another, our world is coming to an end. The question is, will we end with it? Umbrella developed an airborne antivirus. It would destroy the T-virus. I have no reason to believe a word you say. True, but I can offer you something you want very much. What is that? Revenge. We can end all this. I have to get to the hive. Then we go together. What are we gonna do? We're gonna kill every last one of them. Grab some gear. This is what I do. played a long game, you and I, but now it's over. I do want to say the hallway scene in Retribution 
with her with the gun and the chain. It's one of the best action scenes American cinema has to offer. And neither of them I, are American. But. <laughs> right. Well, you know, yeah. East, Western cinema. Western <laughs> cinema has to offer. Um, Would we go as far to say favorite action scene twenty of the 2010s? I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big, I know, just like, I'm, maybe of 2012 would be easier, but I guess, yeah, I mean, it's obviously great. 2012. It's, it's great, right. it's great, it's great, you know, I'm just thinking. It's um, honestly probably my second favorite of the movie. I think that final fight scene, especially where it gets into like the computer generated like skeletal stuff, I think that's like one of the most mm. visionary action scenes at the time. Like that wasn't something you saw a lot in movies. Um and I don't know if you've ever listened to it with like surround sound, but holy shit, that stuff sounds so good too. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you prefer, are you, when you say that, do you include the Jill, Val, do you include Jill Valentine and Alice and Michelle Rodriguez and Leon and Luther? Like, do you keep I'm those? I'm just thinking everything that's in the Arctic stuff. Yeah. Right. right. That whole thing, the whole Arctic stuff is just amazing. Yeah. I I don't know. I think it's just the stark white backdrop. And I'm always more partial to action scenes that have like it's one person versus a ton of people because it's I feel like that's when maybe I have the most fun. But sometimes it feels like that's when the filmmaker has the most fun because that they really have to break things down like, OK. He's going to lunge at her in this moment and then there's going to be this other guy coming her from at the side. She's going to step back, have them to collide, then take both their, like, you know, all those things where they have to be super, super precise about everything because they're, they're, they have to manage so many different factors and so many different, and to make that look so effortless, it, like, have the action be completely, like, staged beautifully, but not a gimmick one oneer or whatever. It cuts, but is masterful with its cuts. And while Final Des final Chapter has these a very different, um, uh, philosophy with cutting um it allows i don't know it carries so much momentum you're never bored there's never this lull because i think sometimes action like filmmakers or who want to not cut sometimes forget that sometimes you need to cut to kind of separate that 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 lull factor that kind of like that you know them catching your breath to keep it more keep it keep the most momentum sometimes you just have to edit and sometimes you just have to keep going. Sometimes the one oneers work are sometimes oneers are fantastic. And I'm not against oneers. A lot of them are great. But I, I think when people like when people who are not super versed in action, the action genre, especially like critics or whatever, that talk about, oh, this movie was cut to death. And the and final chapter is obviously like people call it one of the worst edited movies ever. And yeah. I don't think they understand like how what edit like what editing does for an action scene mm. um because a lot of, there could be so many more one or action scenes in uh in, in filmmaking if the if if people wanted to that's not like a i mean obviously there are some constraints but it's like they're watch go watch some direct-to-video action movies go watch some scott adkins movies and it's like they're they don't cut a lot and that's great and because and that's just because they're so skilled at it but 
sometimes there is a moment where you have to cut to keep the momentum flowing, to keep the like move to also show all of the movement happening at once. Because in that actions in the hallway scene, she is flipping up different five different ways. She is taking all these different angles. She's going, you know, underneath, up above, and taking side um like side angles of you know zombies and trying to manipulate space, manipulate others so she can find a way to get the next person. Yeah. And it's like this, like um, it's like this fucking pong. It's like you know, back and forth, back and forth. She's trying to. You know, she's hitting this one person so she can easily reach the other person to hit the other person. Um, it's just really masterful to see. And it's just everything I love about action filmmaking and makes it my favorite genre because it is all of this. I, I really do love your explanation of manipulation of space because I didn't have like a way to verbalize it. But that's what that is. It is, you know, you have these very strict borders or barriers that keeping you from this kind of movement. You have these walls that are not moving and that stay there the entire fucking time and you have to operate within them and you have to be creative not as just the not as alice herself as the protagonist in the story but also as the filmmaker mm -hmm. and that creativity shines through both characters i mean both the character and the actual filmmaker um and that marriage between understanding the psychology of both is what I love in action movies is when you can understand the complexity and imagination and skill of both the character inside the story and the person making the fucking movie. Um, so that's, that's why I love that scene so much. I, I think that's a perfect, I mean, and, and you talk about Pong, I think another video game that it's so, such a basic video game, but basically what this is, is it's the best alien invaders has ever fucking looked. Right. Because you have a line where bad things can't get across this line and you're defending this line it's that that's all that this is um people can't if the zombies get behind her she's dead so you just have this hallway that she has to defend um she has to defend the space behind her and um which yeah it's it's a beautiful scene um, which perfectly preserves the negative space too because you have like this ugly space that's overcrowded and then this beautiful, pristine, white, postmodern hallway behind her. Um, and you don't want that to be dirtied with these zombies. Um, so, yeah. I, and I, blood it, always looks best in those kind of um, in yeah. those, uh, backgrounds. It's always satisfying to see just blood spat, splatter all over the walls and stuff. I told Clay this, that it, it did call to mind for me Wachowski visual language. Mm -hmm. um, just, just like with the production design. Um, that that it sort of remi it reminds me of like the architects production in in um, mm, the matrix um, yeah. uh, revolutions revolution yeah 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 um, but and, 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 no. what's the second one is it res no that's the uh, what is the second one reloaded oh my god oh yeah reloaded that's yeah, that's Jesus. where the architects wow. in. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's wow. not our fault. Um, there's a lot of, you know, resurrection. There's a lot of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Retribution. You know, yeah. All of this re-stuff. Yeah. Let's all return yeah. so much. We mentioned Alien Resurrection earlier. Jesus, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, should we get into final chapter? What do we Let's say? get into final chapter. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's pretty 
I think it kicks kicks ass, you know. Um, Another movie but, that has a bizarre continuity transition that makes no <laughs> yeah. sense. And they skip the battle. You know, you're, you're left off with this battle where, like, Wesker's like, all of humanity depends on this fight. And it's, like, leaves you at, like, the top of the Capitol build or White House for you, which one? I think it's the White House. Yeah. It's just, yeah, like, it's White House. And then you skip that the whole fight. Just like, kidding. Fight just kidding. Humanity. You just right. skip. <laughs> yeah, I think it's by the time I made it to Afterlife and I was like, I think these are just like like parables or it's or like, mad. Ma- it, yeah, the Mad Max yeah, is yeah. a beautiful is a beautiful comparison because like, yeah, Road Warrior is like, yeah, shit happened. I'm here now. And then mm-hmm. like Fury Road is like, I was once a road whore, I was once a cop, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And here I am. Yeah. Um but it is funny though, but I do love that there's this moment the Red Queen is like, first Wesker portrays you, and then he pretended to give your powers back. Yeah. And it's like it really is just kind of like you guys, oh come on. Like one, her daughter is probably dead, uh, and she doesn't really have too many opinions about that. Um, second, it's this idea of like, yeah, for some yeah, in the end of um uh 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 I'm about to say resurrection again. Um, okay. uh, retribution. Retribution. I love this movie, and I can't say the fucking title. Um, he, he gives her her powers back, and is and then apparently he's like, "Just kidding, <laughs> yoink," <laughs> um, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, apparently the whole thing was, and it kind of makes sense in a way. It's like, oh, he wanted to draw all of them out so they could be killed, but that was never. Yeah. That was never yeah. the end. That ending is so much not pointing towards that happening. It has no like, and apparently, like, yeah, he uh, Paul, PTA wrote the script. Like, he started writing the script like years later after this movie. <laughs> after fucking retribution, and it's really just um, and, and then apparently Ada Wong right. was gonna come back, and then they're like, just kidding. None of them come back besides Claire because we gotta have Claire. There's no way uh-huh. we can't have Claire. We gotta have Claire. Um, it is, and Claire's it is a big smart. character in the games, by the way. And okay. so is Jill Valentine. Oh god, I like, care so much. Yeah, I know, right? But that's yeah. all. But it's very funny how all this. He'll be like, okay, side characters they can be from the games. Everyone else, fuck it. Right. Yeah. Which I, I do want to say too. He cares about the games. So like, oh, obviously he yeah, obviously yeah. does. He's not butchering them for. He's not literal minded though. That's the thing. He doesn't care. Like he wants your the kid to kill your kid. Yeah. Right. He wants he... the atmosphere and the gram and the visual grammar of it. He doesn't actually give two shits about your favorite character. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I mean, it's it makes perfect sense. Like he wouldn't spend the time as a filmmaker trying to come up with how these characters can serve the story not respecting the characters from the games if right. not just like pick and choose um but it is it is quite funny to think that yeah he just just choose the side characters and not anyone who's the central focus so what was so josh did you know the stylistic differences of the final chapter before watching it like were you aware of its complete depart departure in the style of retribution no and i i guess also to i mean we we already hinted at it earlier um retribution's like the most paul anderson paul anderson movie like if, mm. if you watch this whole filmography um with soldier um 
Three Musketeers, Alien vs. Predators, like you get this artificial and like, especially the way he directs the action, it, it's very similar to what you get in Retribution. It's more of like the culmination of it all, Pompeii. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Final Chapter is a complete, like just complete new territory for him. And also it's his most religious film um, mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of like, in many like just look at how it's book ended with these like grand dragon scenes like it, it it feels operatic in a way um but no i i wasn't aware of it and i actually so you, i know you mentioned something about the editor earlier so i just looked it up it's uh doobie white is his name um mm. he's done almost nothing um the only movies that are showing up on letterboxd are polar uh final chapter Monster Hunter, which is Paul W. S. Anderson's newest film, uh, Gamer, uh, with um, Gamer's good. Have you seen or, Gamer? I, I have not seen it. No, Josh, no. you have to see Gamer because of like just from what we've been talking about of like artificiality. It's uh, death. It, it's similar to Death Race and how it views like prison and like it's and how it gamify like how it basically uses it exploits people for like basically gladiator matches you'd love it watch gamer yeah so he's done those four movies and then three movies that like nobody in the world has ever heard of so this guy's like done nothing um and i have i actually haven't seen polar so i don't know like is this is this edited similar to polar i, I, I have not seen polar but i've heard horrible things um I, I do hear that it is cut to shit um and but then again obviously this was called this was told um this was labeled as cut to shit as well so i don't know um but yeah it's uh do we agree yeah. with that you guys agree with that that this was cut to shit in its in the volume yes to shit as in it to a lesser quality i disagree okay. yeah um yeah i think it cuts a lot and it can and i will be honest i get sometimes get a little queasy um because i'm just like Okay, okay, okay. But it obviously, um, someone on Letterboxd pointed this out. Everything that, because we forget that Alice is basically superhuman. Her reflexes, her attention span, the way she, like, I mean, we we see this later in the movie when she's trying to predict the, like, you know, what, how to kill Isaacs. Her brain is operating 10 times faster than everybody that's and so when you fucking cut like that that's because that's the intensity of in how she's reacting that is her movement that's her it's all this shifting power dynamics of the cutting it's like you cut here okay this person is you know has the um is it is winning the fight cut here the other person's like it's this shifting dynamic of one motion and contact while also it's it's you know it keeps it shows the fluidity of the power power you know every fight's a power dynamic it's a power that who's stronger who's weaker who has the advantage who has the disadvantage and that cutting i think it shows it shows out perfectly well especially the fight scene on the top of between her and isaacs on the top of the tank or whatever that is showing a complex like complex struggle of two powers and how they're trying to find the advantage and trying to be come out on top yeah. um so that 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 would be my spiel mm -hmm. i think it's interesting the just the sheer volume of cuts 
makes it almost a forcible departure from the video game language because you don't cut that much in a video game. Absolutely. At, at least not during the playing of it, you know, in the like cut scenes and stuff, you get those. Um, which in that sense, it makes it really feel like this is a final super long like cut scene to all of the Resident Evil we've seen before. Like this is like you need to sit down and like this is the most important shit you're going to see uh, like of this game um in, in some ways but yeah i think that's probably what, like what's most interesting to me is he departs from the the style that he's perfected um it seems to be still if he works with him on Mon- i don't think anyone's making him work with an editor because no. he worked again with on monster hunter so it's like that might just be something he's trying to ex- i haven't seen monster hunter i want to see it but that might be just something that style he wants to explore further, which I find super interesting. And I wish more mm-hmm. filmmakers would take just like, fuck it. I'm going to change some shit up for a few movies. Yeah. See what I'm going to do. And not necessarily in genre, but in filmmaking language. Yeah. 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 That's what it read, read to me as well. Because um, these movies just have such a swift, like, easy going, like, <clears throat> like a good pace to them um and and i think this what this one's like 15 minutes longer than like the 90 minute runtime that they all have but it's like it doesn't feel like it necessarily to its detriment it just i didn't think it was like i'll repeat what you what clay says it's like it doesn't cut to where it's like worse off but you can definitely feel it yeah that would be yeah that's how i would put it as well Mm -hmm. it's like it's hard not to notice it yeah um especially no, it's, a, it's a taxing it's a taxing edit yeah especially in the beginning um, with the bridge stuff yeah that's what's yeah. most impressive um, um but that but that is funny enough but like see when people say the issue i think that people forget when it comes to when when people criticize oh the action was cut to shit i think people hear that criticism and they're like, oh, you can't edit in action scenes or people don't like it when you edit in action scenes. No, we don't like it when we can't see what the fuck is happening if you're cutting so goddamn much. If I don't see contact, I don't see the impact of the blow. I don't see, like, when you cut to the detriment of the scene, not showing the actual fight or obscuring the moments of of impact, and the moments of, you know, of the changing tides of the fight. Oh, now they have the upper hand. Oh, now they have the upper hand. If you're not showing, if you're cutting so much that you can't tell what's happening, that's bad. If you're cutting a lot, but you show how the fight is progressing, good. Like, you know, you just want to basically see what the fuck's going on. So I don't, so people forget, like, I saw a criticism of Extra, which is the Spain um, the, the Spanish uh, action movie that came out on Netflix like two years ago. And I saw like, this is a great example of how action movies have been cut to shit and aren't good anymore. It's like, no, that that movie is action is great. And it's because it's cutting with the impacts, with contact. It cuts as you, as like basically after that punch is thrown and hit, cuts to a different movement and to a different movement, to a different movement. It's cutting with the fight, not against it. It's like you're going with the grain. You have to let the fight dictate those cuts. 
Um, and, and that's why this works. I mean, you look at the underpass scene of her hanging, hanging on. Now it's not hand to hand combat, really. I mean, actually it kind of is, but you have this, you know, her hand, hanging, hanging on this like string or whatever. And she's just doing all of these moves and it's cutting after each impact of a soldier and how she train, and then she targets another soldier with each cut and all of these moments of one that gets to the character psychology, but also the like fluidity and the movement and the ever changing dynamics that's happening within the scene. I think that's spot on. I think there's a huge difference when the editor is trying to obscure the shitty work of your choreography mm-hmm. when the editor is highlighting the work right. of your cinematographer and your choreographer and i think we know um that anderson has a very good understanding and and the people he works with too of cinematography and of action i mean mila's kick-ass um you know we're i know you haven't seen it but in uh monster hunter he works with tony jaw who's like right, one of course. the best hand-to-hand in the world legend and you're not working with tony ja to obscure his fighting you were no. working with it precisely to highlight it to show it at its very best and i think that's what this movie does it it doesn't obscure it um it works with it um yeah yeah i i mean yeah tony Jaw is like i mean um what's it uh it's the sequel it's the pseudo sequel to uh the um the donnie yen movie was it special forces or special oh spl spl thank you um spl2 and yeah tony jaw like that movie also has like a decent amount of editing in it that's not like one one takes um but yeah you you cut with impact you cut with i don't know it's like the like i love movie trailers um, cause I love how you're kind of giving a job to an editor to be like, make this, make it like something that engages people by itself. There's no movie with it. You have two minutes to sell someone on it. Now, a lot of modern movie trailers kind of suck, but there are some great ones. And I love when they use music to dictate how they edit. Um, one of the great trailers that we have talked about on this podcast multiple times is Fallout, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, the and it uses an Imagine Dragon song, which I know. Ugh. What are you gonna do? Sure but is. it cuts with the music. It also like, and that's why I also think I love action. And also, like, uh, I think of um the Social Network, like that has Creep, right? Of course. And it, and in action movies and action movie trailers in general, I love when they cut with impact. Like after someone punches something, they cut to another one punch. Like it's just this this constant barrage of action and movement and contact and impact. Um, I've been saying those words a lot today, but it's apt. <laughs> it's Resident Evil. Yeah. I mean, I I just rewatched the Dead Dead Reckoning Part One trailer, and that also kind of cuts with. I mean, that's a beautifully edited trailer. Yeah. Um that's it, the summer. Gosh, man, that's I know. Be... I'm so excited. But it will yeah. cut to like Palm Clementoff like punching one dude, then cut to another one punching another dude. Yeah. Um it's that that and so that sense of overcutting. It's like, well, we watch trailers just fine. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, we're all so cool if a trailer cut that, even though that ha- thing has to cut like every other second to show yeah. the movie. Because it's like with this with this very genre based trailer, it has to like not only sell you an idea, but actually like make it so that you feel the yeah, like that you feel the uh, the effects of of these of of these choreography. That's like not only are you, are you sold on story, but on stunt work, and has right. to like do multiple. It's spinning multiple plates. The color palette also changes radically in this film. Mm-hmm. It's all yellow. Um, of course, once you get into the hive, it changes. But and but it doesn't make that. It doesn't look like piss to be blunt about it. Um, because that's what but, you know, I mean, movies most, look like now. No, yeah, no, you're right. No, most I mean, most action that that I mean, you know, it's low hanging. They have food. the color of me in the bathroom yeah. after I drink a two-liter. Like that's you're, what I, yeah, those movies right. look like yeah. nowadays. I, it's low hanging fruit, but like the gray man, right, exactly. Like, yeah, know, that yeah. Looks- yeah, if it takes place in like Tijuana or mm-hmm. in Indo or or some like or in Jakarta, it's like oh yellow. Yeah. Um <laughs> But it it is, yeah, it's that moment of, not moment, um, but that decision to make it look like that, but also make it look like a movie <laughs> is uh, really, I mean, again, small budget. I mean, it, it fucking looks 10 times better than Black Adam or whatever. Like it has that idea of using the color palette that could be so cheaply and just made and using it to your advantage of giving this um, atmosphere. Because it looks so barren. It looks like this. The yellow looks like it hurts in a way. It looks like mm-hmm. the, you know, it looks like you're just like cooking like a fucking like egg Max. on concrete. It looks like Mad Max Fury Road a little bit where it's right. like, like the the physical environment has changed um, mm. like of Earth. You know, like it's easy to imagine that there's been like a nuclear fallout or something, but there obviously there hasn't just zombies and shit. But mm-hmm. um yeah and i also like how you know just like we've seen zombie dogs and like some weird like giant things and stuff but like we start with dragons like (laughs) pretty cool yeah i was gonna say that actually in concern to final chapter that it's like going through all six of these it's like they become less and less concerned about the zombies themselves and are like wrapped up in like the human relationships and like the government or like the corporation excuse me like conspiracies and like that's wild that it's like the creatures are taking a backseat to like the umbrella. actual yeah yeah the umbrella yeah that's right um hmm. that that's yeah, like there's something else going on rather than actually like trying to put a stop to i mean i guess there is like cure still being worked on but it's like trying not to put a stop to the to the zombies but actually like giving alice powers where it's like no we're just gonna like keep fighting we're not like it's crazy well it gets it's that video game grammar that pws is so i mean that's what you level up uh to your bosses or um mm-hmm. um it's like you you work your way on the map too. you gotta go right get the hive. You, mm-hmm. you, know, you have this a ticking clock to get to the hive mm-hmm. you only have so many lives right it's like you have the, the big boss who's like overseeing mm-hmm. everything, which is the Red Queen. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking about Umbrella a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think 
Paul's political philosophy is very interesting here. Mm -hmm. You should definitely listen to his commentaries, at least the ones without Mila. Um, Yeah, she's not the greatest for commentaries. Um, Like you could tell he wants to talk about the movies, but she doesn't. Um, Right. uh, But anyways, he at one point he talks about um, how he wanted to make Umbrella the most evil corporation on Earth. And then he says a few other sentences and then he transitions. So naturally I had to look at the U.S. military and he talks. So, you know, actually when we're talking about retribution, the idea he got for those fake cities actually came from the U.S. military because in Nevada, they made fake Afghanistans and fake Iraqs to like introduce their soldiers to what it'd be like to live in these places. That way they didn't feel as alien when they got there. Look at what's happening in Atlanta right now with the police town structures and how like in that training, it's crazy. And I think Neil Bedore, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but the, the guy in Letterboxd, who's just like the biggest champion of Paul's movies, he comments too about how the first time you see the uh, hammer and sickle, it's going down on that elevator shaft in Retribution. And then the next time you see it, it's coming up with the destruction of the umbrella building. Um, mm. And it's like this... When was the last time you saw Marxism and like symbolically validated um, in a movie like this, you know? And also having the, having the American Chinese and Russian governments equated to basically like saying, yeah, all of them are evil. Um, It's yeah. And this definitely takes place in the United States. Like that's one of those things. Like even though he, you know, the sh- it, he shoots this one in South a- uh, South, South Africa. Africa, yeah, yeah. Um, and he is, you know, he's very much British, and the like, you know, a lot of them are, a lot of you know, a lot of you know, fucking Ruby Rose is Australian. Um, Jonathan Isaacs is British. I, it's like it's very much like an international cast and internationally produced movie and is also serving a lot of like foreign markets in the sense of these perform well in Asia. It is definitely taking place in America and has American culture within it. And iconography. Um, iconography for sure. Burning um, yeah, exactly. It's so his real, like this one umbrella has become, you know, like a government in and of itself and has, you know, basically become the overlords of the United States. They have their own city. Um, they uh, they have these like, you know, it's all these contracts. And, you know, you see that board meeting with like, you know, we're, we need to end the world ourselves. And <laughs> it just and how like how a cure for a degenerative disease can now just be completely so now can be marketed as a, a bio a bio weapon in a instant and how that can change the outlook of a company and all these things it's and how like you know the fucking <laughs> uh alice is like yeah let's kill every single one percenter in this place it's not but it's never blunt i mean yeah it's blunt in the sense of it's exaggerated but it's not as in like i'm making a point capitalism yeah. is bad it's it, it's only have a political philosophy right yeah it's only textual because of like with something like like an action thriller sci-fi like it it kind of has to be like it's not worked and it and plus it's like the way that dialogue and and character motivation is like woven into the into the story where it's like it 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 feels natural for this franchise um maybe not like for for anything else i suppose um and yeah it's like and alice is a character and that morality kind of feels natural to come to that conclusion um 
at the at, at, with uh within final chapter because she's like gone through so much and has like witnessed so much bloodshed and it's like to get to this point it like it like makes sense one of a, a shot in retribution is wesker a corporal stooge turning around from his chair in the oval office yeah come on like like you see the fire in the background which is like you know the sign of this is what like late capitalism you know i don't i don't believe in like late stage like whatever that means i don't know but like this is what late stage capitalism brings i think is interesting i mean it you give i mean in this you know model you know monopoly i mean you know the umbrella the umbrella company you know does fucking bioweaponry pharmaceuticals owns an entire city invests in infrastructure and is ready like all of these things it's um heroes a clone like that's the biggest thing like what of like that's the bottom of the bottom of the barrel of like in terms of social hierarchy like mm. i mean the only thing that yeah it, and not to mention too i know i've talked about pompeii way too much for a podcast about resident evil but there's a slave revolution in that um like that that's another thing that's just you have this very leftist um undertone and i think the ending it's interesting because i think he could actually parse out if i were to guess he's an anarchist <laughs> mm. uh, rather than like an actual marxist leninist uh based off of the ending with um with what alice has to do and um but e- even that's tough to say i don't know if the, i don't know if he's got a coherent philosophy or what but as a son of a coal miner i imagine that that's that sort of philosophy would come naturally to be honest like that's one of the most radicalizing jobs you could have i i, I would think it's one the funny thing is sometimes these people can be shown as like or sometimes hmm, like I'm not comparing him to Michael Bay, but sometimes Michael Bay can flirt with leftist ideology because just because of his distrust yeah. of the government and big institutions. But that could also just be. But he's a libertarian. Well, it, 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 well it, it, yeah, he has one foot in the door, one foot out. Is like sort of because he like does not try. I mean, of course, yeah. I'm just like regurgitating what you're saying. Where it's like based whole my whole read on Bay, where he's like he doesn't like the government, but he supports the troops. Right. It, yeah, he likes right. the little guys. Yeah. Uh, but he also likes independent entrepreneurs. He's a weird dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like, yeah, he has like in had Transformers 4, like an Elon Musk is the, one of the heroes. So it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't make like like the real Elon Musk or like a no, like a yeah. Stanley Tucci, who is like pseudo. I mean, Elon Musk, I, that that was just me being lazy with comparison because it's not really the same. But the idea of a billionaire, a tech billionaire being one of the heroes of the uh that, that's why that movie is frustrating to me so much um but it's in your top four which is interesting transformers four yeah um okay yeah so pws yeah his um who knows that's the interesting about interesting thing about these filmmakers who never want to go on the record and say i'm blah is that it can you know they can sometimes seem pretty coherent and sometimes you're like i don't know maybe he could mm-hmm. be the S- x y or z or he's just like, let the work speak for itself. Right. Just, yeah, yeah. And I think part of that too, to be honest, he doesn't do that many interviews because of how hated he is with critics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
he does they don't even have critic showings or screenings for Paul W. Sanderson movies anymore because they've learned that it just doesn't help them. So they didn't do any for Monster Hunter um, that I'm aware of. Um, they didn't do any for the last few Resident Evils. They've they've given up on critics. Um, so I think part of that's just he doesn't do interviews, but like his career speaks for itself. I mean, it starts with a movie that validates people looting big companies. Um, like right. that's where it all starts. Um, yeah. And then it, it goes into slave revolutions and the big companies are always bad. Um, I actually just did realize that all of the interviews I watched on YouTube, it's just Mila. Like she's sort of like the spokesperson of these. Because everyone these loves her. That's yeah. the thing. But I, and it's not, I didn't see anything with Paul in it, which is, I mean, I just didn't put it together until now, but like, sure, he he may not want to speak. Maybe I just, like, he does the ones with Mila. He, and he does speak on the movies, but it doesn't seem like it's, um, it's as pop, it's as popular. Um, cause like, like we mentioned earlier, it's like YouTube film criticism has this weird allergy towards him, but. And those are the only people he'll talk to are like the YouTube people who actually like his movies. Mm. See, And it's mostly, to be honest, it's video game people that are interviewing him about new video game movies. So you'll find a bunch about Monster Hunter and it's like a video game channel that is like super excited that his new movie, you know, that's the people he does his interviews with, which is interesting. But it also means you don't get great substance because these people tend to not be the greatest interviewers. Um, Do you think there's a chance you could interview him at some point? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would, I would love to. Um, I've thought about reaching out. I think I've written enough about him publicly. Um, and it's all very, very flattering. I, I definitely I, I think I'm going to reach new out. New movie is coming out somewhat soon. The Lost Lands. Um, yeah. I don't I think it's still in post um but when in the lost end comes out I'm going to try to I'll, I'll do everything in my capability shoot your shot dude and I believe actually uh one of the better people to interview him was Isaac Feldberg who I believe you guys had on for what is it Dread? oh yeah um yeah we've I, had him on for Dread and Annihilation okay I believe Isaac has interviewed him um and yeah I think that's probably like the best interviewer we've had for him though. Um, Jack, do you do you know who's gonna be the one of the stars in in the Lost Lands? I don't. Well, obviously Mila. Um right. but yeah. another actor who has me who makes me want to see this movie so much more, even though I, I like Paul WS, Dave Batista. I think he's yeah. playing like the main character. Isn't Ron Perlman in it too? Is he coming back for this? god i hope so it's funny like imdb is so weird about like upcoming movies like for the longest time shay wiggum was not in the cast for day of the soldado but he's very much in the trailer um and then like danny houston who's very much in the trailer of dead reckoning is nowhere to be found on the imdb so it's very possible i gotta ask as the religious major what do you think is going on with fucking ian glenn in this his clone well i think there's more actually going on with the trinity of bitches um mm, than, great yeah. line um i think it's it's probably the second best line in his whole canon um i it, yeah it's it's fucking gold and it, i think it's lovely too that they had you know if you think of the christian trinity how right. weird here all feminine um 
mm. and then the world's remade feminine. All the known survivors that we know of are feminine. So the world's remade in the image of, of woman, which is interesting, just in the general context of the arc of this franchise. Like I've written about it somewhere, but if you look at like statistics of women in action movies, um, bef- like at 2002, when the first one came out, and then by time final chapter comes out, it, it increased by almost 30%. Mm-hmm. And not to like directly right that to Resident Evil, but at the very minimum, right. Resident Evil was like doing like was mirroring culture in this interesting way beforehand. Um, but I, I just think it's interesting because with the Trinity of Bitches, um, and then you have you know the daughter who equates to the son is played by their real daughter. Um, and then all of the the footage you see of like her life, all of that's actual family footage. Um, like, like from her childhood growing up and everything, which isn't that, isn't that fucking amazing. That last scene of her just watching all of those, like, Oh, it's one of his, it's such an emotional scene. Best acting she's ever done. Like, and she's incredible in that scene. I mean, she's damn good in fifth element too. Um, Mm, true. Oh, I, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. another great physical performance because she can't d- t- talk that much so she has to rely on her physicality mm. um and i talk about physicality so much on this podcast and <laughs> and i and i think and when anyone has ever asked me clay what do you mean by physicality look up vincent d'onofrio in the first men in black that's physicality mm. all his fucking acting comes from him moving like a maniac and that's like the funniest bit of the whole movie is him just walking funny. Or just watch Jackie Chan movies. <laughs> it's Absolutely. That's what the dude is. Or Jonah Hill, I think, is also actually a great actor. Just he's a physical actor. Um, mm-hmm. But basically what I find interesting about the religion in these movies, and I guess to speak of my credentials, if I have any, I have a master's degree in theology from Boston University. Um, it's a complete reimagining of the Christian story of redemption and it flips it on its head um, to make it completely radically feminine. Um, and not just radically feminine in that like it switches the people. Um, you know, you don't have a father and a son, but a daughter and a mother. Um, it does it in a way that like the very rebirth of the world, which is what happens according to like, um, you know, your early Christian theologians, what you have is the restart of everything but with human people and not just humans but clones um so one thing i talked about um and this will be like my last theology point but if you've ever read narnia um it's it would be the equivalent because you know how aslan is supposed to be god basically in the like the most basic analogy of it um which it's funny aslan's just turkish for lion but anyways aslan's supposed to <laughs> Uh, it's supposed to be the father or the son I guess depending on the story Um, he's he dies he's resurrected I think what Paul W.S. Anderson does by making the sacrificial lamb of this movie a clone would be the equivalent to if the Narnia series was written with Aslan as a mouse or as a rat Um, the bottom Mm. barrel the this Thing at the very bottom of the order of creation is the thing that saves everything um and i think that's what's so radical about um his theology and these movies um 
Why do yeah. you think he went so fucking hard? Like, because now I'm thinking it's like resurrection. Okay, uh, fucking Mila is resurrected because like she thought she was going to die from the T virus uh, or the the extinction of the T virus. So she's resurrection. She's obviously the son. Um, uh, Alicia Marcus is obviously the father, and the Red Queen is the Holy Ghost. And I'm now all putting this all together as you're talking. I'm like, what? Why this one did he go so fucking hard on religion? You even have Judas. I mean, you have the character that betrays her. Right. Like you have everything. With, with, I think part of it is what better way to make your f- story feel grand than going biblical? Mm. Um, you know, and one thing that you learn in like when you read biblical texts, there's this thing called a, I'm going to butcher how you pronounce it, but a, a chiasm, C H I A S M. And it's when, in biblical stories, you often have something at the very beginning and at the very end that mirror each other. And then mm. things like that will happen throughout this little bit of a story. Mm. And, and they're all mirroring each other. And then the thing at the very top is the turning point of it all. And if you think about this movie, it's kind of built in chiasms um, to use, you know, like it starts with the dragons and it ends with the dragons. Um, and then it just like builds towards this thing. And it, it's very interesting the way it does that. Um, it's even structured like a biblical narrative, um, which I think is just one of the only other like modern blockbusters that does it, I think, is Matt Reeves' last two Planet of the Apes. Um, right. Oh, yeah. Perfect <laughs> point. Oh, yeah. Perfect oh, okay. point. Yeah. Man, oh, maybe just so apes. But um, yeah, just it makes the sacrifice so much more meaningful, like when it's partially wish she died. Um, mm, I remembered her dying for the oddest reason. I was so sure she died. I forgot that she like was alive. I thought she was going to. Yeah, it kind of like felt like it was le- it was playing the seeds. But but in a way, it's also yeah. like the ascension of Christ after his resurrection and that right. he's implanted with all this new knowledge that makes her a complete yeah. new person. Um. And she's no longer the person that you had seen for the complete rest of the story. Um, she's spreading the good word. Like she's like now going. That's why we get a religion expert on here to, to <laughs> make these points. Because fuck, I didn't even. Sometimes it makes we need, all so much sense now. No, we need these points like shouted out to where we can't just infer it anymore. It's just like, I mean, really, I would not have pictured like. Um, neo as a christ figure if it weren't for like oh yeah yeah people telling me i guess like it's you know i'm just not looking for some text sometimes i don't know yeah but no it's a very good it's very it's very interesting it's like does he go hard in any other ways on religion in other is any other his movies absolutely so Mm. i can send it to you later i i've written for the boston hassle i did two feature-length essays about the theology of paul w sanderson um and it's all throughout his movies Final chapter is really the culmination of it all, I would say. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. But Event Horizon, it has it too. Not to spoil anything, um, and I, th- I don't think this is a spoiler, but do you know what the beatific vision is in Catholic theology? If you explain it, I will know it. It's basically, once you reach a certain level of holiness, you will behold an image of heaven. Right, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's yeah. like, not just like it it guides you, but like you literally see what right what the, like what being in the presence of god is like have you watched evil i have not you gotta watch evil it's all it's all religious oh, yeah. nerdy shit and it's really cool well to avoid spoilers uh i mean 
it's a gothic structure it's he literally takes the notre dame as his basis for the building and um, but yeah there's sam neil has a beatific vision but it's of hell um mm. one of like the coolest things like that you've seen um or that i've seen in a horror movie to ha- have it be so religious and meaningful and like the ship is literally heading towards hell um like not a metaphorical hell like it's going to like like what we think of as like the damn the world of the damned um which is just it's very interesting um yeah and then i i've written too about how his video game aesthetics um where it invokes this sense of a player um, behind the screen. So especially like his use of security cameras and everything, how he intends it most likely to be for video games, but it does make the sense that there's this divine player at the other side of the screen that's controlling everything. Um, So if if you want to learn more about that, you can check out my piece for the Boston Hassle. Um, I could keep you here for another two hours just for you talking about (laughs) this stuff because it's, I mean, yeah, Final Chapter is so, it's really, it's so rich for a movie that was kind of shoved aside. And I mean, so is Retribution. Um, I mean, but yeah, you look at the idea of Ian Glenn, this like, how this like this person who has manipulated religious texts in a way to gain profit greed and power and also cause mass violence and death and this interesting idea of of, you know this modern capital you know uh like you know modern day capitalism idea of using this goodwill um philosophy to manipulate and gain power and greed um oh no we create viruses to cure everyone oh the world's gonna end we need you know like we need to be like noah um it's hmm yeah i'm just it's sometimes like you know sometimes when you talk about a movie you feel like you're watching it again like you like you're watching Mm -hmm. it for the first time um even i already really dug this movie too i dug it more this time around than last time um because i really one i've really realized how great it looks um and two um i don't know man it's it is really like the texture of it is also great um i mean in the hive in the scene of all of like like a very much like a haunted house scene of her like this it looks like a a, a butcher's freezer almost um with all the corpses hanging by these like um uh these hooks and stuff the original hive i don't know if this one was filmed as well the original hive was filmed in a like old dog food factory um, mm. which like you could definitely see that or how, how you would get those like i don't know like just pits of like disgusting places with like freezers and corridors and and all and that is all surrounding this beautiful center of extravagance and luck and like you know in wealth and lush fireplaces and beautiful technology and great food and drink like it's all of this like seedy disgusting um rooms full of death is surrounding this like you know the one percent of the hive uh in figuratively and literally these movies are good good movies yeah you you initially asked yeah. about Glenn's religion I, I, I want to flip it to you guys what do you think because obviously if Ian Glenn is the 
person who's visibly identified with actual Christianity. You know, he has rosaries, or at least the one clone of him does, has rosaries, quotes the Bible in that train sequence, um, or the tank sequence. Um, if he's the one that's actually thought of with Christian imagery, obviously the gospel, this movie is not, not the, the same gospel of the real world. No. What do you think is like, what's the message? What's the good news? The corruption of religion, as in the its use of justification for atrocities and mass genocide. Um, how powerful men. I mean, it kind of gets to, funny enough, this movie obviously rec- uh, reminds me of Book of Eli, something I watched recently. Um, when it comes to its setting, uh, the filmmaking, the way it uses yellow in the desert and how desolate it is, but it's heavy religious themes. The whole point of Gary Oldman's entire motivation in that movie is him finding the Bible because all the Bibles have been burned so he can use it to manipulate the masses because he understands that is instant power. If he's the only one with the Bible and he preaches as he is the word of God, people will follow and he can manipulate them into control rather in a perversion, as Denzel Washington knows it, of the actual text. And so that is what Glenn reminded me of this idea of how. Mm-hmm viewing the bible as this handbook of atrocities and purging the sinful rather than it being like a story of redemption resurrection like beauty and all you know other stuff but Mm -hmm. yeah that would be my read yeah it's certainly an abuse of power um an abuse of leadership and and, and sort of like the worst that corporations will will then like lead into especially when there is no one to then sell to it's like he has to sell something and then like it's it, it's interesting like the way that he manipulates that's something that he that he has to sell and i mean it reminds me of how now corporations on twitter during black history month will use like you know these ideas of it's virtue signaling but also manipulate people into thinking they're the good guys ben and right. jerry's woke woke don't question their uh their uh interesting zionist views that they've had in the past just know that they support defunding the police or look at you know target here is all the diversity hires they've made in the last five years or whatever yeah look at the cia look at them celebrating like it's this or gay pride spin- bond too or it's like right that joke where it like starts at june 1st and then like ends on June 30 like it's it's just like it's so our bombs are rainbow colored look at right 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 exactly um I didn't make that up by the way that's like a meme um but that but yeah it's a cynical manipulation of something that can it's honestly ahead of its time too because I I I you know it's like those those comments about like uh Black History Month and, and Gay Pride Month it's like yeah it's like those those that commentary is like it feels like newer where i'm sure it's like no. but it's yeah because it's, corporations it are now thinking they're people they have yeah. individual views rather than yeah. a clon- conglomeration of evil motherfuckers yeah and yeah. ben and jerry's probably has more in common or like not just like meta has more in common with uh umbrella corpse than like I, we would have thought was unimaginable like right. when children i mean the types of things you see that corporations are involved in testing like tesla like, amazon like, has its own pharmaceuticals company now yeah what the fuck 
right? Like the guys who give you fucking Jack Reacher also can sell you some drugs. You know, it is, yeah. it's this complete like domination and, you know, monopoly of all industries under one banner. Uber is not just selling you fucking fast food anymore or is not just driving you anywhere. It's getting you your groceries too. They can give you um, the politicians. The, in, yeah, there's an interesting lack of, I mean, obviously it's hard to be a politician in the apocalypse. There's not really room for you, but it is interesting how it does it all like power is solely from corporation in these movies. It's never from any other individual. It is corporate. Mm-hmm. It sort of like has this like air of mystique, but also like pure evil with it. That it's like umbrella, like it's funny where it's like you hear the narration at the end of at the beginning of every movie, but you're also like, what is it exactly? <laughs> like, 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 what do they I, do? I maybe, maybe I'm dumb, but it's like, what is <laughs> Umbrella <laughs> Academy or Umbrella? Oh my god, sure, that is a TV show. What is the like corporate? Right, it's just like decent TV show. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear it is. Um, but it's, it's like what I kind of I I think that's fascinating. Where it's like it remind. It reminds me of a Lewis Black joke. Um, this was during like the big like M- Bernie Madoff scandals and all these pyramid schemes. And his joke is, if you're a company and you can't tell me Can you what get us your you best do, Lewis? or no, I'm not going to, I don't know. No. No. Uh, if, if you're a company and you can't explain what you actually do in one sentence, you're illegal. I love that. <laughs> I know, right? It's like a beautiful thing of the idea. It's like if you can't explain what you do in one sentence, uh, you're illegal. It's that idea of this mass, you know, like collective, uh, this mass collection of power and industry under one banner under these one companies. Um, that's like super. Okay, we have really gone to the weeds. Let's uh, let's get into a favorite scene of final <laughs> chapter, or we're going to be here for another three hours, and I wouldn't mind it um i have do, my favorites I'm, oh wait we I'm gotta not, do retribution and final chapter i was gonna um, ask but also if we want to touch on i mean you know we it's a little it's a, oh, it's a bit of a long yeah it's quickly. a little bit of a long episode can you I know. try to do quick quickly just go into it so uh, we don't so we're not assholes uh <laughs> yes i what we're referring to is the onset um incidences that happened on um both retribution and final chapter and yeah like a platform collapsed on a group of 15 crew members injuring all of them in the filming of retribution they were all sent to the hospital and on final chapter um we were messaging back and forth about you know that 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 uh Mila Jovovich's stunt woman Yo. was yeah um Why? yeah she was she was on the motorcycle and going full speed ahead and the camera's crane was like at a different angle last second and knocks her off the motorcycle and like a whole spread of injuries and she has to get her leg amputated. It's a whole thing and eventually sues um, the production company and Paul WS and wins the lawsuit. I we don't we don't know how much Paul WS was at fault. For full transparency, too, there were people that yeah. died on the set of Monster Hunter. Yeah. Oh wow. 
Okay. I believe it was a car crash. Um, I'd have to double wow. check. I don't know how and many. Someone died on final chapter by being crushed by a Hummer. Yeah. As well. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, I was getting to that. Yeah. It's a, tr- and the thing is, it's like very dangerous movies. Yeah. From yeah. what I've read, there is no direct, I, I mean, the reason that she sued PWS and the production company is not because of, I don't think it was, it was mostly because of the insurance issue, right? Yeah. That wasn't, it wasn't issue, necessarily. Yeah them at fault for the injury uh might m- that might have been thrown in there too but mm-hmm. that was the main more issue. common than we think too like right it is a trouble it is a troubling trend though to have like i don't know david leach makes a lot of them uh and i can and he someone died on the set of deadpool 2 or was it the first one i think it was the second oh one. second cool might have yeah, been i mean oh the second one yeah well he so directed it, the second that's... yeah that's what i mean that's uh, yeah. that's it, it. so it's yes it is common but it is one of those things where at some point it could be for sure a coincidence on the other point you're just like well how are you running your set mm-hmm. um what are what are your like what are you doing uh and i'm not saying that in an accusatory manner i'm just like in more of a just inquisitive like yeah why do you think this keeps happening yeah you should there shouldn't be this many dead people or people whose lives have been ruined this often when you're making it, the, this often and also this late into the franchise that's like and if it were to because it wasn't earlier like yeah. this is a new trend i think it started yeah. starts with retribution exactly it's really interesting yeah. i think mm-hmm. death race was a clean i don't i i could be wrong about that um maybe i don't know but I don't remember there being any incidents with Death Race, and that's obviously a... Hi, it's Josh from the future. After we spoke, I realized I was a bit mistaken about the history of accidents on Paul W.S. Anderson's sets. There was no accident, at least not one that's been made public to my knowledge, that took place on the set of Monster Hunter. I was actually thinking about the death of crew person Ricardo Cornelius on the set of Resident Evil The Final Chapter. I was confused about which production the accident took place on. But regardless, it's still terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's horrible, and um, yeah, it might not but, be a John Landis situation, but it does no, raise concerns. No, I I don't. It does I raise don't. concerns, right? Right. I, it, it's I, I not think, like he, he killed a kid or something, right? Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's it, it it's concerning though. Um, yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe it is just bad luck. But you know, it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, this is um, hmm, okay. I guess we'll keep an eye on this, but I don't really know what to do with this information because this seems bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's terrible and they just I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it because it's like you just don't We weren't there. Yeah, we weren't there, exactly. Uh but we let's go into favorite scene. What do we say? Um, I have um, my favorite scene for retribution okay. in the final chapter. Do we want to do we'll... like retribution? first like we all go or do we say them at the same time let's just 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 okay. so we can save time, time let's just do both okay. um my fit and it's already and just to be quick and quick about it my favorite scene in um retribution is obviously the hallway fight um stand by stand by tokyo sequence initiated
Is, uh I, I, I love <laughs> unique weapon combination in fight scenes um now this is a very different scene and nowhere near at this level but something but uh, one of the best television fight scenes i feel like i can say with certainty is in daredevil season two when he has a gun taped uh, empty, uh, you know an unloaded gun gun taped to his hand and a chain and and he just mo and he just goes through a ton of people through a hallway and it is you know it it's funny because i complained about oneers a little earlier but it is a, you know one shot hallway scene but 
that, that's incredible because again, it shows creativity. Well, how he has an unloaded gun in a chain and he's, you know, he has superpowers, but he has no like strength or anything. It's just, he's just, he just know, he can hear and know where people are. Um, and that, that again, creativity is shown within that kind of combination and imagination um, of just like, what the fuck do you do with these two things? Uh, so there's that. And then obviously um, the, scene when she's hanging upside down during uh, you know un- under the under the underpass where she just takes out a whole bunch of um umbrella umbrella people just by hanging upside down it's great that's those are my two scenes you sob you took mine from the final <laughs> chapter you got Josh, would like would you like to? Yeah, I can go. Yeah, okay, please, please, yeah, yeah, yeah. And retribution, I mean, God, that movie's perfect, almost start to finish. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with the uh, the destruction of all the cities and like when it 
the facility gets flooded. I just love watching the iconography of that and watching Red Square get flooded. Right. Times Square, fucking Hong Kong. Yeah, that's it's gnarly shit. It's amazing. Wait, wait, is it Hong Kong or Tokyo? Uh, Tokyo, Tokyo. That's right. Um, For final chapter, uh, I I love all the stuff at the one tower. Um, mm. That one fight with all the creative decisions that they have to make with like the the fireballs essentially and all of that, um, and like the what they do with the gasoline. Um, I find all that fairly interesting. But I think if I if I had to pick one from uh, other than that, I'd probably go with honestly just the final emotional climax. Um, it's the gut punch man which is awesome that there's there can be a favorite moment in this franchise and it's not an action scene right oh but damn you also have the laser scene again your little friend won't be able to help you now you can't run anymore I wasn't running
that mm-hmm. realization that Glenn has when he like opens his coat and like this slow like and he like kind of pats it. He's like, oh, he's he's really hamming it up in the last one. He's he's like him and Jovovich are a great combination. He he kind of he he really accentuates that movie because he has to be really hammy. Um, and he's just such a perfect piece of shit. Um, he was also great on Game of Thrones. Like he's a good actor. Um, for me, I'll I'll do the opening of Retribution when you go to like the domesticity, um, like cut to the. I love the edit where it just sort of like drops you into this like like a jarring like visual of of like normalcy where it's like you have never seen anything like this in the franchise where it's like people are speaking to each other like normally and yeah it's it's really interesting that they made this hard pivot but i i love it um Rise and shine. Come on, babe. We're late. Mom didn't go off. Becky's not up yet. Miss Anderson's gonna be pissed. You know how they get. We'll drop her off late at the school. Babe? You all right, babe? Go get Becky. I charge your batteries for you. Becky? You know, Miss Henderson, she wants you to speak while you sign. Thank you, Daddy. When you come back from school, I have a surprise for you. I heard that. By the way, these batteries are lasting less and less. We need to get some new ones. Okay, well, I can pick some up on my way home. I'm gonna be late again. Oh, shit. I'll get another shirt from the bedroom. Someone picked up your dry cleaning yesterday. You're home, my little angel, aren't you? You're gonna be late, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> get you that shirt.
then I'll say final chapter. Um, the I'll just do the fight with Claire, Jill, and Alice near the end. Um, yeah, that, Jill. That, I think we. Right? Isn't that who it is? Um, no, Jill's in the. In oh, I. Oh, Isaac's never. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. No worries. Yeah. Um, Jill Valentine. We've been going for a long time. She's and... awful, by the way. That's an, that yeah. actress is awful. She is so bad. Yeah, she's probably uh, the, the side characters. Who is? <laughs> and I love and I love how PWS was like, let's bring her back. It's like they could have just <laughs> recasted her. I don't think anyone would have noticed. Like, if you really wanted Jill Valentine back, it's like, no, oh, let's bring her back. She was great. The way she shoots guns in the last scene, she goes like just like boo 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 boo. It's so funny. Like she doesn't like aim down the sights. Like I love how like Michelle and all the other ones are kind of trying to like look like they're actually shooting a gun. She's just like boom 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 boom. It's yeah. so funny. She's good That's... in the final. Well, it might have been a stunt double, but she seemed to hold her own in the final action scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you're just a little hard on Sienna Gulroy. No, just no, I don't know. But yeah, it's uh no, I, I love that scene. It's it's like there's such I mean, like I said before, there's like such a sense of like finality and weight to it, just like because of yeah, like Jovich's physicality. Um
What the hell is that? Bioweapon. This one's human. Have you seen Claire? No. Razor? I didn't make it. Come on. We have to hurry. Like, I really... Do you guys believe, like, this... Okay, we'll end on here. But do you guys believe this is, like, the last one? I mean, we haven't, like, mentioned the reboot at all. Um, they made a show and another movie, yeah. and apparently both are know. awful. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently. I, I but believe- to me, I mean, it, yeah, it does seem, like, pretty definitive, which is nice, like, to know. They're like, going to try to reboot it, but they're never going to have... No, Jovovich, the PWS is done. No more. There's no more. Which yeah, that's right. He is credited as a producer on Welcome to Raccoon City. I don't know how involved he was. I think yeah, I was going to say, like, that can mean anything. I think it's more just probably got a financial. Yeah, right. I think it's more financial at this point. But yeah, they're done. And I think he's explicitly said that he's kind of done doing movies that are in, like, old concrete buildings that are, like, falling apart and stuff. Um he wants to direct more like stuff that's actually on location, um, which I think in the Lost Land and Monster Hunter shows that new trend. Um, pretty much his whole career was before, even outside of this, you know, like death races in a prison, like it's depressing places to film. And maybe too that, you know, to bring it back to the discussion about the accidents, um, filming in places like that definitely doesn't help the probability of an accident whereas a nice controlled location in the middle of a desert or um, something like that is at least hypothetically easier to control um than mm-hmm. like yeah yeah apart. i'm sure like um yeah like say like a can like can more contained environments led to uh led to that decision for for those settings just based on yeah like safe safer uh uh you know like filmmaking crews and and that's the film set but josh thank you so much for for coming today this is such a pleasure to have you here yeah this is fantastic um yeah i think we went over the runtime of both movies combined (laughs) yeah we probably spent our budget for both for both movies combined too (laughs) so um if you have anything out soon or out now that you'd like to shout this this is out in like a few weeks you know, if you have anything coming soon. Yeah, I pretty much always have things. You can find everything I write. I keep a, an archive of it at transcendentalcinema.com. Um, or you can find me on Twitter. I put most of it there. It's just my name. So Joshua Polanski, spelled like Roman. Uh, just all all one. No, no underscores, nothing. Just Joshua Polanski. Uh, that's where you can find me. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I can be found on twitter as well um just my name jackie draper and on letterboxd jack draper seven a lot of these movies it's it's pretty cool that they're all available on netflix easy to binge wait aside all of from, them aside from uh um Extinction, final chapter oh Extinction, um which was interesting but uh and then uh final chapter was on stars but yeah, I was no, they're, say, they're I all would, out would, there, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then next episode, we're going to stay in 2016. A bit of a genre shift with pop star Never Stop, Never Stopping, the film that Clay is going to love, a great film 
all around, Bailey Herde will be back with us for that. It's, um, yeah, fuck, fuck Bin Laden. But it's, um, yeah, that, that'll, be, that'll be good. That's a crazy yeah. thing to say as someone who has no context for that movie. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't seen this either. So. <laughs> it's a song. It's a song. All, all, all I know is... Like, the reason great. I know the, I'm going to like that movie is because I've seen the Flatliners. Uh, oh, it's great. Bit. It's great. Yeah, and that circles the timeline over what it's great. Yeah. <laughs> in my in my downtime, I like to uh recreate the movie Flatliners by uh, you know, yeah. it's the Keeper Sutherland movie where I flatline uh and bring get bring back back to life. It's just something like it's so funny. It's great. It's great. Um everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter on Letterboxd. You can follow me on Instagram, Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Greatly appreciate it. Share us with a friend, retweet, all that good stuff. Run up to a person on the end of the street. Pretend you're about to take a bite out of them and say, ah, just kidding. And then tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, go listen to Exiting Through the 2010s. And then run away. Um, And as always, guys, be good to yourselves. And we'll catch you next time on Exiting the 2010s. Mm-hmm.